to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can f make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some f really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, now that, my friend, is <laughs> very hard to do. And you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body. I mean, the f everything. I mean, you know, not just the hand. And when you're talking about combat, well, I mean, if, if, it, if it is a sport, now, now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, oh, with no rules. Not real fighting. Well, then, baby, you better train every part of your body. Aloha, Penn Nation, what's up guys, you're tuned in to yet another edition of the Fighter's Voice, BJPenn.com radio. As always, I'm your host Jay Kinch, pleasure to be here with you yet again. I'd like to apologize for the pretty long gap we had in between episodes. Unfortunately, I came down with strep and pneumonia, it was pretty brutal, but we are back in action and we have a sick lineup for this episode. Also, before we get started, you're going to notice in some of these interviews that my voice sounds like crap. My apologies. It's taken quite some time to get my voice back to normal. It's still not 100%, but I've been making do with what I have. So we're going to kick things off with our good friend Colby Chaos Covington. This is a long one with Colby. We touch a lot of topics. He says quite a bit in usual chaos fashion. Then we'll be joined by UFC lightweight. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu ace Gilbert Burns. He's going to talk about his last fight and what he'd like next. Following Gilbert, we'll be joined by PFL Season 1 winner, former World Series of Fighting champion, Lance Palmer. He looks to kick off this season with another win, rack up some points on his march toward a second million-dollar check and a second PFL title. After Lance, we're going to catch up with her Highness, Angela Magana. We're going to talk about the scary situation she had going into a coma following some routine surgery. We'll also discuss what's next for her in regards to her combat sports career, 2020 Olympic game ambitions for wrestling, and a whole lot more. Following Angela, we'll be joined by another lightweight featured in the second season of the PFL. That man, of course, being Jeremy Kennedy. He looks to make his debut in fashion and also rack up some of those points to progress through this season's tournament. After Jeremy, will be joined by UFC featherweight prospect, the Wolfman Bobby Moffitt. He returns to the show to go over his loss to Bryce Mitchell, discuss the adjustments he's making to ensure that does not happen again. We'll talk about who he'd like to fight next, and a whole lot more. And then finally, closing out the show, this man was just booked to fight Greg Hardy July 20th in San Antonio, Texas. Another hot prospect in the UFC's heavyweight division, the Kraken, 
Juan Adams. So again, it's a stacked lineup for this episode. BJPenn.com radio, the fighter's voice. Let's jump right into it. We're going to kick things off with Colby Covington. All right, Penn Nation, the chaos has returned yet again. Please welcome back to the show, the one and only Colby Covington. It's been a while, Colby. How have you been, man? My man, Jason, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Thanks for having America's Champ back on the BJ Penn. Hey, you know it. Always a pleasure. What have you been up to aside from training, man? I know you like to stay busy, but what's the latest in the life of chaos? Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't even really been training, man. I, the thing is, is I don't really have to train for my next fight. It's such an easy fight, and it's it's a guaranteed win for me, so I'm not even really worried on training. You know, I'm just worried about getting my cardio up and, you know, working in the bedroom with all my Miami chicks, you know, you know, going to my parties. I was just at Rolling Loud uh, the weekend before I was at Columbia, you know, doing my traveling, doing my thing, working on my cardio in the bedroom. <laughs> Some things never change, right? Yeah, some things never change, you know, and, and one thing that never changes is is chaos. I am chaos, and I'm unpredictable, so you just never know where I'll be and what I'll be doing next. Now, before we jump into things, uh, I'm wondering, did you catch the fights on Saturday, and uh, what did you make of everything? Who impressed you most, and who were you not impressed with? Yeah, to be honest, you know, I didn't even catch the fights, you know. I mean, it just doesn't make a sense. As me, you know, no one's ever going to do Brazil like I did Brazil. So as the king of Brazil, the true king of Brazil, the one and only king of Brazil, Colby Chaos Covington, you know, I just, it was a boring and unentertaining show, you know. It's just, there wasn't any hype around it. I honestly didn't even know there was a fight card this weekend. I didn't even know there was fights until, you know, today when someone said that, hey, did you hear about the fights over the weekend, how the fans were acting, this and that, and I was just like, Oh, man, just imagine if someone had the balls to sit in the middle of that octagon and actually dish it back to the fans who were so disrespectful. Man, imagine how how worshipped that person would be. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Now, I understand you you didn't catch the fights, but Kamaru was in Brazil, and he said to the media that you're the fight he wants and the fight that everybody wants to see happen, but there's still some moving parts that need to come together first, and it's not a definite just yet. What's your response to that? Uh, my response is, you know, that's Marty fake newsman for you. You know, he's got this narrative that's just, he acts like he uh, picks and calls the shots, but he's a yes man. He, he's, you know, he's the Tyro Woodley 2.0. He's stealing all Tyro Woodley's tricks now, you know, faking injuries, making up excuses, trying to dip and dodge any way he can because he knows he can't beat me just like Tyro Woodley. He knew he couldn't beat me. And these guys were scared now. They don't want to give up everything they work for. He worked, you know, hard to get to that point. But now he's at the point and all this talk, tough talk. Oh, we live 20 miles apart, Colby. Oh, I'm going to do it for Africa. Oh, I'm going to do it for Brazil. All that tough talk. I'm ready for you, boy. Where you at? You, where's that same energy you were talking about? Now you're low energy Marty fake newsman. Where you at, bitch? Come get it, Junior. Do you see any possible scenario that the UFC books Kamaru against somebody else next? They cannot possibly do that, right? I don't think that's, you know, that's unethical. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form anybody could pass me up. You know, I'm clear ahead every other person in the division. You know, I am the true champion of this division. I'm the people's champion. I'm America's champion. I'm the one with the real belt. He's got some knockoff belt, some some, some J.C. Penny fucking, you know, some fake Power Ranger belt. So, you know, he's going to have to cut. He's going to come have to see me one day or another. He's got no choice. He's got no say in this matter. He'll do as he told like a good little boy. Speaking of which, just real quick, what do you think of the new belt design? 
I think they look like shit, man. I, I already told Dana White. I said, hey, don't give me that new fucking belt. I'm keeping my belt, and this is the belt I want. I don't want that new Power Ranger-looking belt, man. That shit's ugly, man. It literally, it's a, it's a knockoff fucking. Looks like they got it from Goodwill or something. So, you know, I'm not taking that belt. I'm, the, I'm defending my belt, and I'm keeping my belt. That's funny you say that. Now that now that I'm thinking of it, it does kind of look like one of those Power Rangers things from when I was a kid. <laughs> right? <laughs> Now, uh, Kamaro, he opted for surgery after the Woodley fight, says that he should be back to training in a couple of months. So let's say he gets back to training in, I don't know, July, then an eight to week and eight to 10 week camp that puts you into September in an ideal situation. Kamaru said he hopes to be back by the end of the year. That's like 18 months since you won the interim title. That's a long time away from competition, man. No worries of ring rust at all for you. Well, first off, let's start off, Jason. Do you really believe fucking he had to get surgery and he needs all this fucking time this is the same tactics woodley did oh my shoulder oh i could fight nate diaz i could fight uh uh gsp i'll fight anybody but you know i can't fight colby you know i need time i need to be healthy he's doing the same shit he's asking for guys that aren't even ranked in the fucking top 10 he's asking for money fights but he'll fight anybody else except me except if he's fighting me he needs all this long training camp and this and that Dude, he's fucking fake news. That's why he's Marty fake news, man. He never got surgery. That's a spoiler. I'm the king of spoilers. Spoiler alert. Cameron Usman did not get surgery. It's a fuck fake injury. It's a fake excuse. He's just trying to delay the inevitable. He knows what's coming. He knows what's in front of him now. Before, Jason, he was willing to fucking fight me. He would say anything to attach his name to me. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, keep that energy. Oh, I black out when I see Colby. I want to kill him. I want to punch a, full, a face. I want to punch a hole in his face. Blah, blah, blah. Now he's fucking nowhere to be found. Now it's now he's right in front of me and he's got nowhere to nothing to say anymore. Now he's fucking trying to make up all these excuses. So, you know, it's a complete fake news. You can't believe anything that comes out of that guy's mouth. You know, it's just a matter of time until I fucking end his career. Now, ring rust or not, having to play hardball all this time to get the fight you deserve, not being able to fight and make some money. How frustrated are you at this point? Uh, you know, I, I don't get frustrated. You know, that, that's the thing about me, you know, being America's champion. You know, I, I, I'm just... I'm very grateful, Jason. Um, you know, I these are opportunities that I have in front of me wouldn't be presented and afforded to me without the great men and women of the service. So, you know, I don't think a service member would cry if they weren't going to war and, and they didn't get to, to do this and that because of politics. You know, I think, you know, I, I, I'm just thankful, bro. I'm very grateful. I have a great life. You know, I, I believe in my team. I believe in myself. And, you know, I'm just getting better. You haven't. Even, I haven't even scratched the surface of my potential, man. I was fighting fucking sick before. When I fought RDA, man, I had the worst uh, sinusitis in the history of sinusitis. I mean, I went to a sinus doctor. They said, you should not even have been fighting. Your sinuses were so bad. They were so blocked. You had so much mucus draining to your lungs. They don't even know how I fought, how I could even breathe. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I got the surgery and I'm past that now. And, and now, you know, I'm not really thinking of the days. I'm just making the days count every day. I'm working hard like a true American. And I'm not going to cry over spilled milk. I'm just going to keep getting better. And I will not be denied, Jason. Remember that. Remember these famous words. Colby Chaos Covington will not be denied. Ah, you haven't been all along, and I, I've been right there with you all this time, my friend. But on the financial side, I, I know you have sponsors. You have a great team behind you, Dan Lambert. But how much of a burden has it been to not collect a paycheck in almost a year now? Yeah, you know, it's definitely been a burden. You know, I, 
you know, I made a lot. I've made a, a lot of good money in my last fight, and I was looking forward to rolling it into my next fight and just keep doubling down, keep putting all the chips in the middle, and, and put it all on the line, and then continue to win. No one puts it all on the line like I do and puts all my chips in the middle. But you know, the thing about you know where I'm at now is I'm glad I'm a champion. You know, I've I've already won a world title in the UFC. I've already seen the president. So you know, I got some good sponsors. You know, my bookie they take care of me. Uh, my leave Vietnamese restaurant in St. Louis. You know, I just got a good sponsorship with Funky Farm CBD Company. That company's up and coming, going to be a huge CBD company. So very proud to be a part of Funky Farms. And then also, man, I just started my T-shirt business. You know, it's uh. It's uh, go over to pro wrestling tees, uh, dot com slash Colby Cub MMA. And if you want to get a, a piece of America's champion and people's champions wear, but yeah, you know, it's been a burden, but you know, it's, it is what it is, man. That's how life is. That's how the chips fall. But you know, there's plenty, plenty of money to be made and I'm still young. So that's the good thing is that I'm still young and I still got, you know, 10 years of good fighting in me. And not to mention, like you've always said, you know, you don't party, you don't spend foolishly. I'd imagine you're pretty frugal, so it's not as bad as it could be. Yeah, it's not as bad as it could could be. You know, I like to gamble. I like to go play poker, so sometimes it's up and down with that. But, you know, the thing is, is that I have Dan Lambert on my side, and he has all the money in the world, so money's not an issue. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a thing of money, all burden, this or that. Money's not an issue right now. We're just worried about just improving every day, staying positive, you know. It's like you can't get down on yourself in life. If there's something going on in life and there's some hardships and down times, you can't fucking be negative and just throw in the towel. You just got to keep you got to keep a positive mi- mindset and just keep moving forward. And, and that's what I'm doing, you know, and I want to serve as an inspiration to a lot of different people from the military to Americans to just people just to never give up and keep working hard and, and good things will come. It's just it's just a matter of time. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. And the t-shirt business, that's something I wanted to get to here in a little bit, but I've noticed on social media that it seems like people are coming around to the fact that you are not the one ducking fights and avoiding opponents. And the truth is the truth of the situation is that you've been stuck waiting around all this time. I know you could really care less about, you know, the opinions of the nerds and the virgins out there, but do you take any validation in knowing that the MMA community is, you know, starting to see your struggle now? You know, I'm glad that they they get to see the real the real me and and what's really going on. Before they were making up fake news storylines. You know, these Cheeto dorks were in their mom's basement. And they were trying to critique me on, oh, you need to fight this, oh, this and that. I don't have control if these guys don't want to fight me, man. Woodley did the same shit. He didn't want to fight me for years, literally turning down every opportunity. He would fight anybody else but me because stylistically, these guys know they have no chance against me. Marty Fake Newsman has no chance against me. I'm better than him everywhere. I'm better than him wrestling. I'm better than him striking. I'm better cardio. I'm just a better fighter. I'm a better looking guy. Like, he's just a fucking joke. Tyron Woodley, same shit. So, I'm glad that the fans see the realness. You know, I've been ready to fight fucking Marty Fake Newsman and Tyron Woodley since last year. Right after I won this, my interim belt, all I needed was three weeks extra after my sinus surgery. That's all I needed. Three weeks. Not fucking eight, ten months like these guys need. So I'm glad that the, the fans see the realness and, and what's really going on and not trying to make up some fake narrative that, oh, Colby's ducking fights. Oh, he doesn't want to fight. I've been ready to get in the octagon with Marty Fake Newsman since the day he won the belt. I was ready to fucking fight Woodley the day I won the belt. It's just, it's a circus go around. I'm not the one holding up these fights. It's these fucking fake little fucking losers that are holding them up. Now, I know that you've always maintained uh, your training sessions with Woodley. You were dominant in those and You've always had the edge over Woodley. 
Uh, obviously, you, you believe the same with Kamaru, but a lot of people point to his size. Do you see that being a factor at all when you guys finally throw down? No, not at all. You know, his size, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And, you know, that size, you know, he's going to be cutting a lot of weight. So, them second, third rounds, I, he will wear down. He will tire. All that extra that mass that he's got on him, you know, he's going to he's gonna fade, man. And just like the rest, everybody else, you know, they, they, they come out strong. They're front runners, and they fade against me. These guys, they're little kids, man. They, they want to come to the big kids area of the pool. And that's not how it's going to go down, man. They're going to get drowned because they're in the big boys part of the pool now. He's got nowhere else to go. He can't hang out in the little kiddie pool anymore. Come to the big boy pool. Find out what happens, little boy. Now, changing gears here for a moment, I know that uh, you've, you've had the rocky relationship with Dana White here and there. However, things have, have, have come back together for you guys. I know you've said recently that things are great between you. When was the last time you had a conversation with Dana? And, you know, how have things been going in that regard? Are you guys still, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, back to friends? Yeah, he's, he's A-OK in my book. You know, I, I don't mind him. He's doing business. He's, you know, just like I'm trying to do business and do big business and sell sell massive fights. You know, he's trying to do the same stuff. So, you know, we understand. We just have a better understanding of each other now. But, you know, as far as talking to him, you know, I haven't communicated with him since March when, when uh, Woodley fought uh, Usman. And, you know, I know my manager, Dan Lambert, he's talking to him like every week. You know, he's on his – he's, you know, keeping in touch with him, figuring out when this is going to go down. And they keep having some new excuse. Oh, he needs to get an MRI this week. Oh, he's going to get it next week. Oh, oh man, he just needs another week. You know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's a new injury. It's a hernia. It's an ankle. It's a knee. Oh, it's this and that. You know, it's just – it's just all fake news, but, you know, as far as me and Dana go, you know, we're cool now. We understand each other. He understands me, and and we're ready to do big business. And, and then the first first item of business that comes up is Colby Chaos Covington versus Marty Fake Newsman. You know, Marty Fake Newsman isn't ready for the big cities and the bright lights, Jason. So, at this point, it's like you're saying that Dan is, Dan is on their asses trying to get this fight booked, and there's an excuse every time he gets in contact. Literally every single time, you know, they they wanted this fight back in uh, June in Chicago. And then, you know, oh, it was a hernia then. And then he said he could fight July or August. And they've been trying to book July or August. And now he's, oh, I need to get an MRI and get clearance for my for my doctor. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, no, now my knee's hurting. You know, he just there's it's the same gimmick, the same thing that Tyrone Woodley did. He's the Tyrone Woodley 2.0. Now he knows he has the toughest uh, challenger and toughest opponent in front of him. And he's nowhere to be found. He's running away from the challenge, Jason. He's not looking to make the welterweight division great again like myself. He's not look. He's not looking to duck nerds and take all these virgins' lunch money. He's looking to sit sit back and, and hopefully he can find a big money fight against a guy that's coming off the steroids that's 10 years past his prime, and that's all he's looking for. He's not ready to make the division great again. So it's sad, man. I feel bad for the fans. You know, I feel like the fans are being robbed, you know, that the welterweight division has to keep being held up from these fucking idiots up top, these fake news machines. So, you know, it's just a matter of time until I get my hands on him. And, and I promise you, I will end Mark, Marty Fake Newsman's career. So September, I mean, obviously you would have liked this fight to happen 10 times by now, but September, October, even the end of the year, you're okay with that? No, I'm not okay with that. That's fucking bullshit, you know? It's just, it's a double standard, you know? They wouldn't give me two fucking weeks. 
All I needed was two fucking weeks, dude. Like, I, you know, I fought in June. They were trying to push me back on a six-week training camp to, to go fight again. I'm like, no, just give me two extra weeks. Let me fight in the garden, you know. And, and, and they couldn't even give me two weeks, but they'll give this guy eight months. They'll give Woodley a year and a half. Like, it's just, it's, I'm sick of the double standards, man. It's, 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 it's unethical, and they're prejudiced to me. Just because I support Trump and support MAGA, that, that, you know, that, that, they're prejudiced against me. It's not fair, man. Just because I love my president, I love my fucking country, I love the troops, I'm getting blamed and punished for that? It's, it's, it's just not right, Jason, and, and I'm here to make it right. So do you, do you feel like maybe they're, they're reluctant to really push for this fight because maybe you're a little controversial? I think... I think a little bit. I think a little bit. You know, they, the the new owners of the UFC. You know, those guys are are big liberals. You know, and and they don't like Trump. So you know, I, I know deep down inside their hearts, they don't want to see me fighting and winning another world title in their organization because I'm going to be supporting and promoting Trump because I love my president. You know, and I, I love what he's doing for our country. You know, our economy's never been better. Unemployment's the lowest it's ever been, Jason, and that's all because of Trump, man. He's just—he's making this country great again. So, you know, I think they are a little reluctant, but you know, I think it's more—it's not so much on the UFC side because they want to make this fight. They know how big this fight is. The buffet line incident, you know, got two, three million views on TMZ. People are waiting to see this fight because they know what I'm going to do to Marty's face. So, I think it's just more, you know, Ali Abdelaziz. He's over there making up excuses for, for Usman, trying to get his way out of fighting me. He's trying to wait and hope that some other contender arises so he can get an easier paycheck. But it's just so crazy, man. He wanted to attach his name to me before, and he was begging to fight me before when I already had guaranteed fights ahead of me, and I was fighting above me for world titles. He was begging. He would do anything, put a video of my name on it, just to make himself relevant. He was willing to take a... a a losing paycheck for 10 times less money before, Jason. Now he's going to get paid 10 times more to take the losing paycheck, and he's fucking scared. He's ducking. He wants nothing to do with me. So, you know, I'm glad that people see uh, the way it is and see who he really is. He's a fake fucking little bitch. Now, now, just to say with the controversy thing here, regardless of your political affiliations, what you believe, that really should not affect matchmaking and their willingness to put together the fight that is the right fight for the division, the fight that you're deserving of, the fight that the fans want to see. I mean, it's pretty sad to think that your political affiliation would get in the way of your career, right? I agree, but, you know, that's that's why there's snowflakes in the world, and we're melting all these snowflakes, you know, these liberal snow, soy boy snowflakes, you know, they're all up in their feelings, man, didn't? Didn't you hear that the UFC renamed their thing? It's not the Ultimate Fighting Championships anymore. It's the Ultimate Feelings Championships. <laughs> everybody, everybody cares what people think of them now nowadays, and everybody cares of oh, which side does he side on political? Is he right wing? Is he left wing? So, all these guys, man, they're up with their feelings, man. I just, it's sad, man. It's just they don't want to make money, and and they're really. You know, they're cutting off their, their, their nose despite their face. It's just, it's insane. They don't want to make money and they don't want to put out the biggest fights just because of a political affiliation. It's pretty crazy to think that a company that is about prize fighting would potentially fall victim to PC culture. Right. They're all, they're all in their safe spaces, Jason. Yeah, that's nuts, man. Well, looking at the rest of the division, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in the coming months. Lawler and uh, the Woodley rematch, Askren and Gamebred. First with Woodley, he said that uh, with an impressive win over Robbie, that warrants a shot at the title for him. 
Would you agree with that, or does he need a couple more before he can get back in there to fight for that belt? Oh, man, he's going to need at least three or four more. I mean, look at him. Look at Tyrone Woodley, man. That, that guy that fought Marty Fake Newsman on March 2nd in Vegas, that guy is a former shell of his old self. That guy is not even top 20 worthy anymore. That guy was pathetic. He got dominated, knocked down, dropped, beat up every single round. He didn't win one second of that fight. So you, you, you can't give a guy like that a title shot. I don't care what his past credentials is. I don't care what he did in the division because he looked like shit. That's We're talking about the past. Now is the future. Now is the moment. And this isn't his moment anymore. He's 37 years old. You know, he, it's a retirement home sweepstakes between him and Robbie Lawler. Who's going to the retirement home first, him or Robbie? You know, they should push themselves down in those little wheelchairs together. You know, they'd make a great couple over there. So, you know, the, I'm not worried about anything those guys are doing. Those guys are old. They're decrepit. And, you know, they shouldn't be fighting anymore. They need to retire before they fucking have signs of CTE. Well, listen, I I know that you're looking past Woodley at this point, but all the promotion that went on beforehand, that timetable could play out just right for you, though. I mean, Woodley beats Robbie, you beat Kamaru, then possibly the next fight could be that highly anticipated scrap against Woodley. Would you be down for that, or is that fight, you know, uh, under the bri- water under the bridge now? You know, I'm always down for easy money, Jason. It would honestly be one of the easiest fights in my career. You know, like I said, you know, I've never, I've always been honest and upfront and and truthful with you. And and I didn't lie about what I said, man. You can go ask a coach, Dan Thomas. Dan can't lie either. Deep down inside, you put a, you put him under oath and he'll tell you what happened in the sparrings. I mean, they weren't even competitive, man. He's, he's got no cardio, you know, that explosiveness. It's not the same when, when you make him wrestle, when you make him have to, you know, put blood to those muscles. So, yeah, it's an easy fight, man. I, I would love to take that fight. But, you know, he lost the opportunity. I said, I told him, don't fuck this up, Tyrone Woodley. And he fucked this up. So he's going to have to live the rest of his life knowing that he was always second fiddle to me and he was a little bottom bitch, nothing more. And and with Game Brad and Askren, things look like they might be getting a little bit complicated with you, with you both at the top of the division. Are you and George still tight? Yeah, of course, dude. That's my boy, man. I saw him today. I'm very proud and happy for what he's accomplishing. Accomplishing, you know, he had a little, he had a couple setbacks. You know, he was on a little losing streak. He was down and out, and I'm just, I'm proud of the way he responded to that. So, you know, I hope he goes out there and beats up that 40 year old science school teacher nerd. So, you know, he's got a, he's got a big fight ahead of me, and he's just got to focus on what's ahead of him right now. Well, the reason I ask is because after he knocked out Till. He said that he would fight his mother for the title when asked if he'd fight you for the belt. Have you guys talked about this at all? Is there a possibility that you guys actually might throw down if it was for the championship? Man, we were talking about this, Jason, at least four or five years ago. You know, I mean, we, we talked about it, you know, and that's the epitome of a, a friend's relationship to be able to go for the highest honor in the sport that you chose to fight for the number one and two spot in the world. I mean, it would be an honor to fight each other. You know, it'd be a dream come true for us both. Cause we're both going to make so much money. Dude, we are fighting fucking sparring hundreds of rounds for free in American top team. Right. I mean, now we're, now we're going to get paid 500, a million dollars. Like, man, that's an easy no-brainer. I mean, it wouldn't even be hard to fight him, dude. Friendship aside, man, this is business, man. We're both here to do business. And, you know, I want to put food on the table for my mom. You know, she's got a tough upbringing, tough life. I want to put it, you know, I want to give my family what they never had growing up. I grew up in the trailer parks, Jason. So, you know, I didn't have a good upbringing. It was a tough upbringing. I was on top, top ramen diet. That was my diet growing up. Top ramen three times a day. 
pork in the morning, chicken in the afternoon, and, and beef at night, man. That, that was my diet. So, you know, I fight anybody. I don't give a fuck who's in front of me, man. I, I got no friends in my weight class. Yeah, we're best friends, you know, right now. But as soon as the lights turn on and we're in the big city, man, there's no friends, man. I'm here to do business. Right. So, obviously, you guys are still tight. And like you said, I mean, you've already put in so many rounds in the gym. There's also that famous video of you guys thrown down in the apartment there. But all that aside, for the right amount of money, you guys would throw it out. Absolutely. No questions asked, man. I, you know, we're, I'm telling you, we fought in, in, cow, in, in living rooms and bathrooms and fucking sparring in ATT, you know, and fucking airports. We've been fighting our whole lives and fighting against each other for the last couple of years for free. So to fight for multi, multi six figure paycheck, you know, it's a no brainer, man. We, there's, there'll, there'll be no feelings attached before and after, and, and we'll go back to being friends afterwards. So may the best man win. Cool. Very good. And hey, man, listen, next time you run into him, tell him to get in touch with us. He's like, Mr. <laughs> he's Mr. Ghostface. He's impossible to get a hold of now. But uh, how are you doing on time? You good? Yeah, we good, bro. All right. Because you mentioned something interesting there. I think that a really common misconception about you would be that you came from money. And I'm interested to hear that you actually came from poverty. Yeah, I did come from poverty, man. I grew up in uh, uh, a single parent household. I grew up, my parents, you know, were divorced and, 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 you know, tough, tough upbringing. So, you know, my dad lived in Oregon. My mom lived in California. My mom had to work three three jobs just to be able to afford a trailer park for me and my sister to share a bedroom together. You know, she didn't, we didn't have enough money to f- put shoes on my on my feet. So I, as a little kid, I would always run around the block and I was always stubbing my toe and, and always messing up my feet. And like there were because I never had shoes on because my mom couldn't afford them. So, you know, that that's what kind of those hardships is what prepared me for who I am today. And, and just there's no struggle or no hardship or no battle that I can't overcome because, man, I've, I made it out the dump, man. I made it out the legitimate freaking, you know, poverty line. So, you know, I, I, that's why that's why I'm always thankful. I'm, I'll never complain about anything. You know, it doesn't matter how long. If I don't ever fight again in my life, I'm not going to complain and, and cry over it because, you know, I've already made a life for myself that I could have never imagined as a little kid, man. I was supposed to be dead right now. I'm supposed, supposed to be, you know, a drug addict on heroin washed up in some trailer park. So, you know, I'm thankful for everything I have and you'll never hear me complain. All right, you are, you are, uh, like you said, man, statistically speaking, you should be dead and on heroin in a trailer park. You are, you are, uh, the epitome of going against the odds. Yep. I've been beating against the odds since I was a little kid, man. Just, just like a saying, my boxing coach, uh, Orlando Quaylor, uh, Orlando Quaylor has against all the odds. And, and that's, that's kind of what it's been my whole life. You know, I wasn't supposed to be here. People gave me a long shot just to make it through high school. And then, you know, they said, oh, he'll never, you know, do anything in wrestling. Oh, he has a, he's a, he's a million to one underdog to ever make it to college. Oh, he's a million to one underdog to make it to the UFC. Oh, he's a, he's a billion to one underdog to be a UFC champ. You know, people have been doubting me the whole life. I was not supposed to be here. You know, I should be somewhere else, you know, a poor freaking bum somewhere. But, you know, I, I refused to accept what other people told me, the limitations that other people tried to put on me. I refuse to accept that, Jason. Just like all these fans these days try and, try and say things about me or, or this and that, I don't listen to what they say. I refuse to let someone else's opinion affect my own opinion. I have my own opinion, and I strongly believe in it, and I will never stop believing in it. Well, I mean, ju- just your struggle alone, I think that lends itself to you know, the, the chip on your shoulder that you have. And 
I think it's, you know, it's warranted when, when somebody goes through struggle like that. But I mean, have you ever talked about this before? I think a lot of fans out there would be interested in, in to hear. And I, I'm sure a lot of them would not even know that, you know, you came from that kind of background. No, Jason, to be honest, the reason I've never talked about it before because, you know, I don't want to pull back the curtain and I don't want people to feel sorry for me or give me sympathy. You know, I'm not, you know, I want people to judge me for what they think they see on social media. They, oh, they see what I, how I act on social media. Oh, he's a piece of shit person. He's, he's a, oh, this, that, you know, it's like, okay, cool, man. That's just perception. That's just what you think of me off social media. You don't know what I'm like in real life. You haven't hung out with me for a day. You don't know what what I've been through and what the struggles I've had. So, you know, I just, I like it better. I, know, I like people not knowing that because then they can just judge me off something they know nothing about. I think that's much sweeter to me. Yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I feel like, I feel like a lot of people would, you know, having, like knowing that, I think a lot of people would be more keen to, to jump on board and support you, man. I know you could give a shit about that. I, you you relish that bad guy role, but, uh, man, I, I would be really surprised if a lot of people heard that kind of, you know, where you come from, your background, and would be more inclined to, to jump on jump on the train with chaos, you know? Yeah, you know, I just I know everybody else has, you know, their things in their life. Everybody's had a tough life. Everybody's had, you know, their struggles, their ups and downs in life. So I just never wanted to be that guy that, that tried to tap into people's emotions that way and get them to feel sympathy and feel sorry for me. I, I don't want, I don't want people to feel, feel sorry for me. I don't want handouts. You know, I just, I want to be a hardworking man who earns everything I got. I, I wasn't given anything. I had to go out and, and earn it. And, 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 you know, just that's how I want to be remembered. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I just think, again, I just think it makes you like, you know, more relatable and, and all that, but moving on from there. It was announced that Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis have agreed to fight at 170. That's a pretty big matchup for the division and could bring Nate into the fold at welterweight. What was your reaction to that fight being announced? Uh, you know, two two lightweight jobbers, you know, coming up to welterweight because, you know, they're on these doughboy diets. They can't make their, their limit of 155 no more. But, you know, it's it's an exciting matchup for the fans. You know, it's, it's two guys that are way past their time that are just going to come in and and slobber knocker and, and you know, we'll see what happens. Who's going to get their hand raised? No one knows, you know, is it going to be Pettis? Is it going to be Diaz? But, you know, I don't think either one of them wants to come fight for a title at welterweight. They, they, they know that, you know, they, this isn't going to be an easy fight against guys that are past their time. These are guys that are at the top of the division that are in their prime right now and, and are good everywhere. You know, they can fight. They're not just strikers. They're not just wrestlers. They're not just jutsu guys. They can do it all. So, you know, I don't think those guys want any part of that. Nate Diaz, you know, his energy, he's not the same guy as on camera as he is off camera. You know, I've seen him off camera. He's all, oh, Kobe, hey, bro, you, much respect. You're so tough, man, this, that. Like, but then on camera, he tries flipping me off. He tries acting like a hard ass. So, you know, he doesn't want none of this. Deep down inside, he knows he has no chance against me. He got mopped up by Dung Hum Kim. I'm, I retired Dung Hum Kim. He got mopped up by RDA. I beat fucking the living brakes off RDA, left him for dead. So, you know, Nate Diaz is a little bitch. He knows who runs the West Coast. That's Colby Chaos Covington. I know you've said that before many times, and I know that at one point you were kind of campaigning for the fight with Nate, but, you know, him entering the fold at 170, that might potentially set up a fight for you guys later on down the line. Would you still be interested in that? Or, again, is that another fight that's kind of gone by the wayside now? No, that's that's a fight that intrigues me. You know, it's... You know, he's got a lot of hype on him, you know, 
it's you know he's a fan friendly uh, fighter, so you know the fans like him. You know, I, I'm all about being the, the champ of the people these days, man. I, I'm among the people. I hang out with the people, all the fans. I just want to do what the fans want. You know, if they want me, to, whoever they want me to fight, I don't care. I'll line them all up. Line the best contender. Line up the best hype guys. It doesn't matter to me. I just I want to be a, a true champion of the people, and I'll fight for the people, man. Whoever they want to put in front of me, if it's Nate Diaz, if it's if it's uh, GSP, you know, if it's it's if it's that sheep lover Khabib, you know, I'll take them all, man. I just I just want to put on exciting fights for the fans. I, I feel like the fans have been robbed as of late. You know, everybody's trying to pick and choose. You know, everybody wants. You know, not everybody's here to really be about this business and really fight the best. You know, some of these guys. They want to be picky choosy. They want to make excuses. They want to, you know, they want to complain. They want this and that. They want more, this and that. I'm just here just to prove my worth and make this make the UFC great again. Yeah, I mean, ever since McGregor, it seems like everybody is a master negotiator and everybody's playing hardball now. So I would agree with you there. Uh, one more welterweight I want to discuss with you. I know this guy isn't isn't on your radar as far as being scheduled to fight him, but Mike Perry had some really harsh words for you recently, called you a worthless piece of shit, said he wanted to skull fuck you, said he'd poke you in the eye if you guys ever fought. I know you've brushed him off many times before, but those are fighting words, man. What's your response to that? If Mike Perry can win two fights in a row, Jason, he's getting an immediate title shot. I will defend my title against him. I know he can't count to this high as two, and I know he's probably not going to win two fights in a row, but if Mike Perry, that dumb motherfucking cousin fucker, sheep lover, horse face lover, motherfucker can win two fights in a row, Jason, he's getting an immediate title shot. But, you know, to win two fights for a jobber who's going to be fighting in Indi- Indian casinos next year is going to be real tough for him. So, you know, I, I don't see it happening, but I wish him the best. I really would, I really do hope he wins another fight so I can literally break his jaw and, and, and send him send him packing he'll never fight again i promise you that if they lock me in an octagon with him jason literally that would be they'd probably give me assault afterwards i'd probably be in jail for assault because you know the, the dude he'd be helpless in there against me he'd have no literally he'd be helpless that, that that's just all it would be he'd be helpless he wouldn't be able to do anything he'd be so gassed out he thought he was gassed out and one ran against cowboy Oliveira. who the fuck is that guy like, you're talking about the cream of the crop, America's champion, the best welterweight to ever grace the UFC. He has no shot, Jason, so I'm hoping he can get on a two-fight win streak so so I can end his career. So you're saying one one more win after the one he's coming off of, and you would grant him a title shot? Absolutely. One more, and he's getting, he's getting fast-tracked to the title, man. I'm, I'm going to give him his shot, you know. I'm going to knock him all down. I'm going to be a real champ. I'm going to be fighting three, four times a year. That's, that's what I'm ready to do. That's what I want to do. Most of these guys, they just want to fight once a year. I'm ready to fight three, four times a year. This has nothing to do with me. This has to do with my opponents and who I'm scheduled to go. So, Mike Perry, win two fights in a row. Come on, buddy. I'm praying for you. I know you can't count to two, but I hope you can win two fights in a row. All right, man. Now, uh, last time we spoke, one one more thing off topic here. Last time we spoke, you had more or less said that, that you were hoping that Yourself and John Jones could put the BS aside and be friends again. Then a few weeks ago, you said that you could beat Johnny Picograms if you were allowed to use steroids. I'll take it that the peace offering was time sensitive. Yeah, I think it was time sensitive. You know, his his fat cokehead managers. You know, they just they pissed me off again. So, you know, the Kawa, the scum Kawa brothers. You know, they're out there fucking fat as fuck. The world's fattest cokeheads. Literally, you you shouldn't be that fat when you're on coke every day. So. 
You know, give me some picograms. I'll destroy Johnny. I was destroying him in college, man, dumping him on his head every day in practice. You can go ask anybody in the Iowa Central wrestling room that was there when, when we were there. So, you know, I'd love to get my hands on Johnny picograms, man. If, if he didn't have all those picograms in his in his system, he wouldn't be the same fighter he is today. So, you know, he's a fucking piece of shit. What, the, what What's he doing for the fucking people as a champion of the UFC? What's he out there going to do? He ain't doing shit, man. He ain't fucking giving back. You know, he's doing all this fake shit. Oh, you know, I'm going to donate to kids. Oh, yeah, is that another tax write-off? Tell the people the real reason why you're doing that so you can get tax exemptions for you, you motherfucker. You're not a real real champion like me. I'm, I'm spending my money as a UFC champion out of my pocket. I'm going up to Fleet Week next, next week in New York, Jason. I'm going to go hang out with the Marines, hang out with the Navy for a full week, dedicate my time schedule, go, go bring them my UFC title, hang out with them, show my support, show my appreciation for everything they do for affording the opportunities that we have for serving our country. What the fuck has John Jones ever done for the people? What's Conor McGregor done? Smashed a fucking fan's phone, through a dolly, through a bus? No, none of these motherfuckers are like me. I'm different from everybody. All, all these motherfuckers, they want to copy me now. That's why you see guys going to pro wrestling tea store and, and signing up for, for pro wrestling tees now. I'm a pioneer, Jason. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I've always given you a ton of credit for giving back, in particular to the troops, Fleet Week, that's a big deal, man. So you're going to spend the entire week there. Huge deal, man. I'm, I'm honored and I'm so grateful to go. I'm going to be there all week, be up in New York in Times Square, hanging out with the Marines, you know, going on going on ships, hanging out with the Navy, you know, just, you know, doing the whole nine yards with them all week. You're going to see some stuff. I can't, I don't want to give you, I don't want to pull the curtain back too much and let you know my schedule and let you know what I'm doing. But, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for, you know, the military and I wouldn't be honestly where I am and what I have without them. You know, the military runs through my, my blood. My grandfather was in the Vietnam war and the Korean war. And he got a purple heart for most, uh, most missions flown in the air force. And, you know, rest in peace to my grandfather, grandpa Carly, but you know, that fighter blood runs through me and, and, and I'm, you know, the army and the military, you know, they run through my blood too. So I'm, I'm very thankful for our servicemen and women. And, and anytime I can, like this, since I don't have any, anything coming up, because Marty Fake Newsman's making up fake storylines, faking injuries, you know, I'm going to go spend a week with the troops, give back to them, just show them how thankful and how much I support them. Because, you know, people these days are, are so fucking fake, dude. Oh, they, they want to worship people like the Kardashians, these fake motherfuckers who have fake asses. And, and those are the people that they consider their role models. Man, what about the what about the troops? Those are the real real model role models. Those are the real heroes of America. Those are the people that are putting their lives on life, so you can live your free life and be able to go chase your dreams and do whatever you want with your life. None of that is possible without the troops. So, you know, big thank you to the troops. I love you guys, and I'm gonna win another world title for you guys soon. Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's like, uh, what, what, what did Vanity Fair give Woman of the Year to? Caitlyn Jenner, I could think yeah, of plenty, plenty of servicemen and women who deserve that a hell of a lot right. more. So I agree with you 100%. But getting back to what's next for you, man, and listen, you've been more than generous with your time. I just got a couple more questions here for you. Getting back to what's next for you, the waiting game continues. Kamaru is next on the hit list. Tell all the fans out there how this eventual matchup with Usman plays out. Yeah, you know, I'm going to take that nerd's lunch money. I'm going to give a wedgie, the biggest wedgie he ever had in front of the whole world. He's not ready for the big cities and bright lights. I'm going to turn his lights out. I promise you that he's going unconscious in that octagon. But, you know, it's just a matter of time now. He's got nowhere to run. What's Ali Abdel Asli's going to do? Is he going to try and 
fake his way out? Is he going to write some more lines for, for all his athletes? Because we all know Ali Abdel sleeps. He writes all the lines for all his fighters on Twitter. They can't, they can't even talk for themselves. They're talking out of Ali Abdel sleeves lines. So, you know, basically it's just going to look like, you know, it's going to be bad, man. I just, I don't want any kids watching this fight because it's going to be so bloody. And I'm going to take my time with him, dude. I'm not just going to knock him out in the first round. I'm looking to knock him out in the fourth round after I've broken his jaw, broken every bone in his body. That then, then I'll be ready to turn his lights out cold, and that's what it's going to look like. Colby Chaos comes in, the People's Champ, America's Champion, defending his world title. So you want to make it gruesome and punish him? Yeah, I want to make it real gruesome, real ugly, man. I'm going to do it for all the immigrants of America, all all the legal immigrants of America, because I know all the legal immigrants fucking hate fucking Marty Fake Newsman. That guy is the epitome of fucking fake news. So, you know, I'm going to do it for all the legal immigrants of America. So when you finally get that title, we've kind of already talked about this, but do you intend on maybe getting a little revenge against these guys who are making you wait? Or will Kobe Chaos be the active champion that everybody deserves? No, I'm going to be the active champion that everybody deserves and, and what the people want. You know, that's what they want. They want an active champion. So line them up, man. It's, it's it, Honestly, I look at the division now, and, and, and at the top of the division, it's just it's just easy money after easy money. So every single guy, they're just they're all easy matchups for me. I just I match up well with them all. So, you know, once I defend and uh, end Cameron Usman's hype, you know, then it's on to the next. Whoever it is, you know, I'll be fighting again before the year's end. I'll be looking to get on that December 14th card. So hopefully they run this July 27th. I know they need a main event for July 27th. So put Colby Chaos Covington on the big marquee. All right, man. Listen, champ, always a pleasure as always. I look forward to our next conversation. In conclusion, what message would you have for Kamaru to encourage him to heal up fast and finally get this fight booked? Marty, fake news, man. What? Come on, buddy. Stop making up these fake news storylines, man. I thought, you, I thought we lived 20 miles apart, buddy. Let's meet up in the streets if you want to do it. What, whatever, man. I want you to be healthy, but I, I know you're faking injuries. I know you got you and Tyrone Woodley were talking behind scenes, and he was giving you some pointers for how he can duck the real king of the division, Colby Chaos Covington. So get well, buddy, because uh, once we see each other, you will not be well. I promise you that, motherfucker. All right, brother. Any shout-out, sponsor plugs before we let you go, and – Tell everybody where they can get the new uh, Great American Winning Machine t-shirts and any new designs you got coming up. Very exciting stuff. My brother, go over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash ColbyCovMMA. You can get the Great American Winning Machine shirt. You get America's Champion shirt with yours truly with the greatest president of all time, Donald Trump. And then uh, also we got a Nerd Bash shirt in there. You know, no nerd is safe. We're taking nerds' lunch monies. We're ending virgins' careers. We're stuffing them in lockers. So make sure you get on the Nerd Bash 2019 campaign. And then, you know, big big shout-out to my new sponsor, Funky Farm CBD Company. And uh, big, 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 big shout-out to my biggest supporter, you know, Dan Lambert, American Top Team. I wouldn't be here without them. I wouldn't be able to do what I do and, and continue to do what I do without him. So, Big, big ups to the godfather, Dan Lambert. And then obviously the biggest supporter, you know, is the troops. You know, big big thank you to every military service man and, man and woman. So, you know, I, I love you guys and I fight for you guys. So, so thank you so much. Awesome, man. Looking forward to all the cool stuff you got going on in Fleet Week. Obviously the fight coming up. Thanks again, Colby. Hope to see you back in action sooner rather than later. Enjoy the Florida sunshine and all the beautiful ladies. Until then, brother. I will, my bro. Take care, Jason. Uh, much love to BJ Penn Nation. All right. Thank you. Too. Much love to you as well, my friend. 
We'll talk to you soon, bro. All right, sounds good. Later. Later. In the words of Chael Sonnen, or to paraphrase Chael Sonnen rather, when Colby goes off, he's like a grenade and everybody gets dirty. More heat as usual from the former interim welterweight champion. Hopefully he'll be set to face Kamara Usman sooner rather than later. Some very interesting stuff there about his upbringing. I think a lot of fans would be surprised to hear that stuff that Kobe actually grew up in poverty. And of course, what an interesting challenge to Platinum Mike Perry. But let's keep it moving like we always do. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, Gilbert Burns. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show one of MMA's best Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners, the man they call Dorinho, Gilbert Burns. Pleasure to be speaking with you again, Gilbert. How you doing today, man? My pleasure, brother. Always my pleasure. I'm good. I'm good. Doing great. Before we jump into things, uh, what did you think of the fights over the weekend? Man, that was a good fight, bro. There's some good fights. I was impressed with the, with the first fight, the debut of Viviera Araujo. The girl that just get a knockout, she got a like four day notice, and she get a knockout. She used to fight a straw weight. She fought two divisions over, you know. She just get four day notice. I used to train her in Vicente, in Brasilia, Brazil. So she, man, she got a nice performance. Uh, she get a knockout. I was impressed with Volkanov. He was able to kind of stop Aldo. Aldo, you know, he made Aldo resitate too much. He didn't pull the trigger, but that was because of Volkanov work. Uh, man, the Jessica, Jessica fight was crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy one, bro. She, I, I thought Jose was doing very good, and then, like, she kind of, I think she felt the low kicks a little bit, you know, and then, uh, and then Jessica just get that nasty Nasty takedown and finish the fight. Uh, another fight that was impressive. Let me see. Oh, and, and besides that, too, I watched Bellator, you know. Douglas Lima did a great job, bro. That was nasty insane, knockout. man. That was insane. Nasty, nasty knockout. And my boy, Mac, Michael Chandler, you know, he's training us here. He he got that lost. Uh, it's hard to, to, to blame the judge, you know, the heifery on that one, but I don't know. It's kind of crazy. So I hope they have. To, I hope they run this one back. You know, that's the one that they they need to run back. But people is a is a monster too. So do do you think that was an early stoppage? A lot of people were saying early stoppage there. It's hard to say because he kind of he kind of took his time a little bit to come up. Look that he was out, but you know, couple points put you to sleep. Couple points put you to wake. So. I don't know. It's hard to call. I think the referee did did a good job, but for sure I want to see a little bit more. But it's those situations that we cannot control. You know, it's already done. So I hope they run one more back. You know, Michael is being a great champion. He deserves that. But I don't want to take nothing away from Pitbull. You know, he, he's a warrior too. Yeah, I agree. It would be, it would be good to have a rematch there. Uh, UFC 237, of course, being in Brazil. Uh, Brazil, of course, having some of the most diehard MMA fans in the world, but you haven't competed there since 2010, if I'm not mistaken. I know you live in Florida now, but I'd imagine you'd love to compete there again sometime soon. Bro, I would love to fight in Rio. I think the last time that I fought in Brazil, I don't remember the date, 
but that was uh, UFC Damian Maya against Ryan LaFleur when I fought I supposed to fight Josh Thompson on that card but I fought uh, Alex Oliveira the Brazilian cowboy so that was the last time I fought in Rio right but I did the jiu-jitsu tournament that that doesn't count but <laughs> last year last year I did a, a <clears throat> call a Gracie Pro I fought against Sergio Moraes he just lost in the UFC last Saturday too but yeah, I fought Sergio Moraes that last year, and just saying that, uh, Wally Alves too. That was a performance that impressed me a lot on on Saturday. Yeah, Sergio Moraes had nothing for him in the stand up, absolutely. Uh, but you know, speaking of the fight in Florida, man, you're coming off yet another submission victory against UFC newcomer Mike Davis a couple weeks ago in Sunrise. Tell us, man, how happy were you with that performance? Well, I was very happy, you know, uh, with being being a tough month uh, coming to this fight because the UFC talking about uh, giving me a top 15 or, you know, a guy that would put me right there. And uh, a lot of fights were declining, you know, a lot of guys turned the fight down. I ended up getting a guy called Eric Wisely. He's supposed, I supposed to fight Eric Wisely. So less than two weeks to the fight, guy got... You know, he didn't pass on the, on the medicals, and they give me a new... I knew it would be a newcomer, you know. Two weeks out, less than two weeks out of the fight, guys, guy pulled out. I know you'll be a newcomer, you know. So, I ended up fighting Mike Davis, guy's a local guy from Florida. And very tough, a lot of boxing experience, you know, a lot of... A lot of those guys, you see the record say 7-1. But you're going to take a look, you know, you're going to see the fights, you're going to study the guy. The guy has over 10 boxing fights, 10 amateur fights, you know, so the guy's very well-rounded. But I'm, I was happy with my performance, you know. I knew it was a little, you know, a little a little tricky on stand-up, good boxing. So I was just starting putting my pressure, you know, keeping busy, taking him down and finish the fight. So that, that was the plan. That was what I executed. So, so even with like a week and a half to prepare, you weren't able to really study up on Mike Davis. Yeah, that was just just that, like real, real, like ten days we had it. So, I'm a little nerd when we get to the to the fight. You know, I want to <laughs> watch every every video that I can. So I was watching a lot of videos. I saw he did a couple of jiu-jitsu tournaments. I know his background was in wrestling, but he kind of turned to a boxer. So I watch so much of his videos, like one or two days. My coach too, they watch a lot. So he kind of, yeah, we're going to do the same thing that we're supposed to do really wisely. But, you know, we're just going to put a little bit more pressure on that guy. Don't let, we talk a lot about energy. You know, just we want to put a lot of energy on that guy. I don't want to, I don't want to give him confidence so he put the energy back. So I would just pressure him. Every time that I saw that he wants to put pressure on me, just, you know, break that pressure kick hard or punch you hard or take him down. I just don't let him get confident. And I know it's a lot of pressure when you debut on UFC. So that's why I want to keep that pressure. You know, I don't want to let him feel confident. So that, that's what it did. Well, you certainly fight putting on a lot of pressure in all of your performances. But you mentioned that you were looking for a top 15 guy, a ranked opponent. Uh, and you said a lot of guys declined. You care to share? I mean, who was turning down fights with you? Uh, I got a couple guys, bro. Charles Oliveira was the UFC first pick. He said no like a couple times. 
And the thing that I don't understand is he said he wants a guy, you know, a higher ranking guy. And he ended up getting a fight against my teammate, Nick Lentz. Nick Lentz is not even on the, on the, on the ranking too, you know. If you look at all, all the other ranks, I'm, I'm right there. I'm kind of top 20, top 16, 20 on a couple of different, you know, 18 on different ranks. But he ended up, he said no, and then he ended up fighting Nick Lentz. So that was the main guy. We, we talk about Alexander Nunes, you know, he, he turned down to uh, Gillespie, he was in negotiation, you know. He turned out, but I I got it because the guy's in negotiation, you know. He's okay. They talked about the car clothes, but he was getting he was yeah he was having a wedding, so that's okay too, you know. I know the guys are busy, but the guys that say no and get a fight right back, you know, it's a little bullshit. So I don't believe you, John Mike. That's true. I just call him out. He say, oh. You know, I want to fight Joe Lozon. What? Come on, bro. Guys coming for a lot. Come for a couple wins. Those guys that don't, I don't respect so much. But if you have a wedding, if you, if you, you, you know, if you just banged up for a fight, if you, if you're busy with something, I respect that. I don't, you know, I know we have a personal life. But if you decline the fight, saying I want a right ranking guy, and then you got another guy. Come on, bro. You're running away for the fight. Yeah, that's got to be very frustrating, man. You're trying to crack into that top 15 ranking, but guys won't give you the opportunity. It seems like nowadays nobody wants to fight below them. They only want to fight above them. And, I mean, not only is it not fair to the up-and-comers, but at the same time, everybody had that opportunity to get into that top 15 at some point. For sure. So I think I think I will have soon. And to be very honest with you, I was extremely frustrated with that, but I'm over that already. And I just... I'm going to take Kamar Uzma as, like, as an example, and I'm just going to copy. I'm going to do the same. So a lot of guys were declining. A couple guys doesn't want to fight him. So guess what? He was he ended up beating every single one that they put in, in front of him. He ended up getting the ranking. He ended up, you know, like getting the fights that he wanted. But he took the hard way, you know. I'm, I'm just going to do the same, you know. Nothing coming easy on my life. Never did. I always got to hustle. I always got to work hard. Guess what? I'm not. I'm not running away from working hard. You know, if they don't want to give me those fights, the top 15. Guess what? Give me anyone. I'm gonna fight again. I asked to fight in June. I just. I was. To be honest, I was very annoying with with Joyce or with the uh, with Sean Sharp. I was just texting him all the time because I want to fight soon. You know, I want to get back in there and then they kind of wait. Wait, we're gonna give you a fight on July or August. We talk about, but so I kind of took my time a little bit, but. Like you said, anyone right now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here, you know, to pick a fight. I'm a fighter, but a little frustrated with that. But I got over. You know, I'm not. I'm not gonna pick a fight no more. Give me anyone. I'm gonna keep it that nice streak. We eventually they gotta put me on the top fifteen. They gotta give me a right. guy. But right. until that, give me anyone. I don't care. No, yeah, no. You make a great point, man. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys take that same path, like you're saying with Kamaru. You just keep fighting, keep beating guys, and eventually you get to that point where you want to be. So I agree with you 100% there. But with the submission win against Davis, that puts you on a two-fight win streak. Um, I know you're obviously looking for bigger fights, but if they're talking July or August, is there anybody in particular, or are you just going to take whatever name they throw at you? Whatever name. If I can pick, for sure, I'll get Alexander Hernandez, I'll get Paul Fowler, I'll get James Vick. 
you know, anyone that would put me there instead or all the guys that is already there. But be honest, bro. Anyone, I don't give, I don't give a damn anymore. Give me anyone, I will fight. So give us your thoughts on the division, man. There's an interim champ. Some big fights just got announced. Of course, everybody at 155 pounds is dangerous. Do you feel like uh, now is the time to to fight some top ranked guys? And and how do you think you match up with some of the elite in the division? I think I'll match up very good with a lot of guys. I'm I'm very dangerous on the floor. I have my background in jiu-jitsu, getting better at my wrestling. My coach Greg Jones, Cami Brzezini, my striking. They see the power already. They gotta respect that. You know, they they come. They think they're just gonna defend a takedown and gonna keep a stand-up fight. They know I'm dangerous too. So I'm, I know I'm dangerous everywhere. Not saying those guys are not. But I am too, you know. I have knockout power. I have my jiu-jitsu, my wrestling, my cardio. I'm big for 155, so I know how dangerous I am. I, I still know. I, I still gotta develop a lot of things. I'm still training. I still want to evolve. I still want to get better. But I know I'm dangerous for a lot of guys in that division. And the way I see the division now is kind of, it's kind of working. You know that, especially right now, the corner is out. So Khabib got a fight. He might fight Dustin Poirier. You know, like. Yeah, Anthony Pettis got to 170, Nate's 170. I think now the division it, it's running, you know, it's working. I like the way you see Justin Gage in the picture, Cerrone, Tony Ferguson. You know, the division is, is kind of, it's working now. I can see the movement, so I think it's better, you know. Right, there's no more stalemate, no more everybody yes. waiting around. Absolutely, I agree with you. Yeah, no more stalling, no more frustrating. No, Tony Ferguson got to fight, Khabib got to fight, Dustin got to fight. You know, everybody, Cerrone got a fight, so everybody got a fight. So we'll see, we'll see, like a couple months, the division gonna, you know, gonna put a different face, I believe, on the, on the picture, you know, a different, a different picture. Definitely, definitely. Now, as you mentioned, there, it's no secret that you're an incredible grappler. That's well de- documented, and you coach some of the best of the game at the Combat Club. But the striking does continue to improve each and every time we see you out there. Like you said, you got a lot of power. Um, in particular with the hands, obviously, you throw with really bad intentions. Safe to say you're very comfortable throwing bombs with all the guys at lightweight now and really building on that uh, that striking ability. Yeah, so I've been working with Henry Hoof over six, seven years already. And uh, I'm very confident with my coach. I'm very confident with my team. We build that relationship as a, as a coach. You know, it's it's hard thing to do. It's, you know, something that you're gonna get comfortable on your coach for a year or two is a beautiful relationship. And then I got there. You know, I like to to, to work with Henry. I like to work with Vicente. I like to work with my whole team right here. And bro, I'm I'm just confident. You know, I know I know what it takes. I saw, like I said, Kamaru Usman was a great example of uh, of hard work. You know, not taking the easy path, taking the hard path. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm working hard with my team. I, I took like a week off. I was back in training. Tomorrow I'm going to Rochester with Vicente. We have Vicente Look fighting, Desmond Green, Daniel Roberts, Nick Lance fighting. So I'll be there with the boys helping, you know, all those guys to prepare. He's sparring in the back on the, on, the, on the locker room before those guys walk in. So I'll be there. I'm. I will see Sean Shaw, but I'm going to talk to him about fighting again. <laughs> I'm going to annoy him again. And I believe, I believe I'm ready to, 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 to you know, to to challenge my abilities with anyone on top 15. And I think I'll be a problem for these guys. 
<laughs> well, like you like you're saying, man, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You got to stay stay bugging Sean Shelby, right? Yes, I'll be there. And he will see me. I know he's not gonna like because I've been annoying him. <laughs> Sean put me on that car in Greenville. He said it's already full. Okay, Minnesota, oh, it's full. Five weeks, mm, I don't think so. Okay, what is after that? Put me on that Sacramento. Okay, we'll see. No, we'll see. No, put me there. You know, I've been annoying the guy. So he's probably gonna see, gonna say, hey, I'm gonna give you a fight. I said, okay, who? <laughs> I know you're gonna get annoyed with me. So, but it's part of the game. I'd rather. I'd rather be the guy annoying asking for a fight than being annoying that the guy they offer me a fight and I'm the client of the fight. You know right. What I'm Absolutely. That only that only you know, when you're a company man like that, those kind of things that it, on the back end it works out better for you. I agree with you hundred percent. But speaking of coaching and Vicente, uh, he's got a big fight coming up this weekend with Neil Magny. Give us your thoughts on that matchup. I think it's a great matchup, you know, Vicente has a Nasty stand-up, you know, like, man, back on the Muay Thai, kickboxing in Brazil. He has a he has a big team, Brazil, nice team. His main coach, Daniel Evangelist, is the guy that's cornering me besides with Henry and Luke. So now it's my turn. It would be me, Daniel, and, and Henry on his corner. And I, I, I love the matchup. He's the other guy that has been beating every single one. He just had finished in the UFC. I have... On my whole career, I just have two wins by decision. The, those two wins came in the UFC. All of the all, all the other ones on the 15 fights just have two by decisions. And Vicente, he's, he has a better record than me. He don't have one win in the UFC by decision. All by finish. Knockout or submission. So he put himself over there. And now he's in the top 15 facing Neil Magny. And I think it'll be a great fight. I, I can see another finish right there on that fight as well. Yeah, it's a big opportunity for Vicente. I personally believe he's the future of the welterweight division. He's he's really something special, and this matchup with Magny is his chance to prove that he belongs in the rankings. Big opportunity for this weekend for him, and you will be in his corner. Yeah, for sure. He's my boy. He's my brother. I'll be right there. And like you said, I think he's a big he's a big guy for the UFC too. The guy he's he born in New Jersey. He lives in Brazil. His mom's Brazilian. His dad is from Chile, so he he has fluent Portuguese, he fluent Spanish, fluent fluent English. So, guys, he's a good-looking guy, good striking finisher. I think he after that that big win with New Magni, he'll be ready to maybe be a main card on a, on the next card on the on the UFC, maybe in the Uruguay or maybe in Brazil. I don't know. I think he just he will be a big thing after that fight. Yeah, definitely. He's very, very, very marketable. I agree with you there. Uh, and, you know, seeing his success, that's only motivation for you, right? For sure. His success, Kamaru Usman, every single guy I know, I train, I've been helping Robbie Lawler a lot for his next fight against Iron Woodley. So being around these guys is just something different, you know, like like the, like the quote they used to say, like, to be a lion, we got to walk with the lion. You know, to be a champion, we got to walk with the champions. And be surrounded with these guys, you know, even with, even with that loss, Michael Chandler, Kamaru Usman, Robbie Lawler, Aung Langton, the champion from 1FC, Vicente, you know, being surrounded with these guys, the energy is different. You know, we just, we just, to be honest, we have a competition, like healthy one, but 
everyone trying to outwork everyone you know we, we we just have that and that just make us better yeah like you said you want to be a lion you got to walk with them iron sharpens iron but you know you mentioned Ong Law there obviously there's plenty of names we could talk about coming out of the combat club like you said Robbie Lawler Kamaru Usman but Ong Law in particular he's looked indestructible as of late now he's got a very big test in Brandon Vera what do you think of that fight and what a big win does for Angla's legacy. Man, though, these guys are monsters. These guys are monsters. At, at, at our gym, Hard Knocks 365, we have Rock Hold as well. We have Armstrong. with so many guys. And like I said, everybody is working hard. The 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 I, no nobody needs we don't need to really go hard. No, we don't need that. Opposite, we need April, take it easy. We're doing too much, right, you know. Right. That that's for real. So I think he got a chance against every single one, especially Benovera. Benovera, it, it's a vet. He know what he's doing. You know, guy's strong. But I was just on a on a good path right now. You know, on a good energy and a good training, good vibe. You know, he's a champion. He man, the guys, the guy, he's a hard worker too. I he's, he's even hard to to point who works harder. Me, I'm I'm on that path too. But me, Camaro. Chandler, Owens, Vicente, you know, everybody's he's working extremely hard to get to the top, you know? Well, everybody's hungry, man, and that's uh, that's super yes. important in this game is to stay hungry and constantly evolve. That's Yeah, that's the key. All right, listen, Gilbert, you've been more than generous with your time today, man. Just a couple more questions for you. Getting back to what's next for you, your own career, it sounds like you would get back in there next week if they'd allow you, but it sounds like... July, August, that is going to be the date. There's no venue in place yet, though. To be honest, I'm, uh, that, that's, I'm just going to give it to you. Yeah, uh, last week I was, you know, like, I want to fight again. That when I was annoying the guy. And then my wife, and, and she just she just competed a lot of jiu-jitsu. She just, oh, you want to fight? You want to, you sure you want to fight us? Yeah. She asked, hey, they have the Miami Open. Here, Jiu-Jitsu tournament, you want to do it? I say, yeah, put my name there. I'm going to do it. So that was Saturday here in Florida. So that was my last last Saturday right here. Like two days ago, I was training with Vicente, helping him out. I ran to the tournament, got two submission. I'm, I'm hungry, you know. I just fought Jiu-Jitsu two days ago. And I don't know what's next, bro. Like you said, I'll be there Saturday. UFC Rochester will be annoying. Sean Shelby again. <laughs> Hopefully... Hopefully July. I don't, to be honest, I don't want to wait all the way to August, but July or August, I hope to be back. You know, I want to be back as soon as I can. To be honest, I want to be the Brazilian Donald Cerrone. That that's my goal. You know, I want to be fighting. I want to put into training fights. Let's see if the UFC will allow me. But that that that's that's me. That's what I want to do. You know, I want to be the guy that's anyone, anywhere, anytime. I want to be fighting. I want to be busy. I just hope the UFC give him the opportunity and I will take it. So in regards to being the Brazilian Donald Cerrone, you just want to be the guy who takes on all comers and the guy who's as active as Cowboy. As active, you know, as being fighting and as entertaining he is, you know. If that's why Cowboy Cerrone, he can be in a main event, he can be on the fight. As soon as you see the name, you know the guy gonna bring. So everybody watching. That that's same with me. I just wanna be that guy that everybody wanted to watch. And they know I'm going to fight anyone, anywhere, you know. Right, absolutely. Now, I know you've mentioned several names, but if you could handpick anybody to fight in July, who would it be? 
Alexander Hernandez. That would be the number one. I, I give it. I give top three. Number one, Alexander Hernandez. Number two, Charles Oliveira. Number three, James Vick. All right. Well, I certainly ho- hope you get one of those matchups, man. Um, I'm very much looking forward to all your continued success. How many times would you like to compete this year? And do you think we'll expect to see you break into the top 15 by the end of the year? That's the goal. So uh, if I'm breaking, I'm going to kind of take my time. I know the fight's going to get a little, you know, it's going to, I've got to do a nice camp, you know, with everything. But if they can give me anyone, you know, all of these guys that are not ranked, I'll be fighting a lot, bro. You're going to see three more fights at least this year, you know. All right. So three more breaking in the top 15 and on to bigger and better things in 2020, right? That's the goal. Awesome, man. All right. Always a pleasure, Gilbert. Again, very much looking forward to the next fight and all the future has in store for you. Hopefully we can catch up again when something gets announced. In conclusion, man, tell all the fans out there what they can expect in your next fight and for the remainder of the year. So first, first of all, thank you, Jason. That's my pleasure. Always be here talking with you guys and, you always, you always can see me hungry, aggressive, putting pressure, trying to get more fights, trying to break that off as soon as I can. But always, you can see it. If you see my name on the card, you you can make sure be excited. So thank you all my fans. Thank you guys for your time. See you guys soon. Not go hope as soon as can be. Absolutely, man. Any shout outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? For sure. Shout out to all my team, Hard Knocks 365, Harry Hoff, all my coaches, my my. My conditioning coach, strength coach at IHP, my sponsor, Tatami Fightwear, Love Hemp, Fierce Fresh Meal, and every single one that supports me, all my fans. You know, thank you guys so much. All right. Again, a pleasure, Gilbert. We'll catch up again soon, man. You have a wonderful day, and uh, very much looking forward to all your teammates competing this Saturday. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, Jason. All right. Talk to you soon, buddy. Take care, bro. Later. Gilbert Burns, definitely one of the coolest guys in the business, if you ask me. Very much looking forward to his next fight. All the talent in the world, especially when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And as you heard us discuss, his hands are constantly evolving. I'm very interested in who the UFC is going to match him up with next. But until then, he'll be calling some names, staying busy in the gym, and of course training some of the best athletes in the world at Hard Knocks 365. But let's keep it moving. Keep it rolling like we always do. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, PFL one season winner. Looking to make it two in a row for this season. Lance Palmer. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show. Former World Series of Fighting champ. Defending 2018 PFL season winner. The one and only Lance Palmer. Thanks for joining us today, Lance. How you doing today, brother? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. Now, you're currently in New Jersey, correct? Yes. Before we get into things here, I was curious about the change in camps. You've been a staple of Team Alpha Male for years now. What prompted the move to work with Mark Henry and all the guys in Tom's River? Uh, it's a place I've always wanted to train. Sorry, it's going to be loud for a second. I'm getting my oil change. Um... It's always been a place I wanted to train, and uh, I was able to make it happen this year because I wanted to be closer to home. My wife and I live in Columbus, Ohio, so um, it's just easier to go back on the weekends, hang out with her, spend time closer to home. Last weekend out in uh, 
or last year out in Vegas was just a lot of time away from home. And uh, I still, you know, I still love all those guys out in Vegas. And it was really nothing against them, but it was more of a family move than anything else. Well, that makes perfect sense. Obviously, being a family man, you want to be closer to the wife. Uh, I'm not sure. Did you have kids or obviously plan on starting a no family kids, soon? No kids, yeah. Just two dogs. They're enough right now. Well, hey, yeah, right. Two dogs are, are plenty, that's for sure. So you left Team Alpha Male with no hard feelings, just the change of scenery to further the professional career. Yeah, when I left Alpha Male, that was uh, two years ago. So that was, uh, you know, everything with that went well. And, you know, for me, there's, you know, other guys left the team and there's a little drama. But for me, it was more of, you know, I still have a great relationship with those guys. I still talk to Danny Castillo, Holdsworth, Faber, uh, especially Cody, because I've known Cody since he was a little kid. I mean, I, I talk to those guys all the time and they, you know, they kind of knew that it was, I was there for, you know, six or seven years and they knew it was time for me to kind of get back to being in Ohio. And that's why me and my wife moved back to Ohio and bought a house, but there's not really anywhere in Ohio to train at a high level. So I, I always knew that I'd still have to travel and train. Right, right, right. Okay. So forgive me. I didn't realize that you had left alpha male. Where were you working in Vegas after that? Uh, all last year I was at extreme couture and 10th planet. Okay. Interesting. So 10th planet, I mean, doesn't get much better than that for jujitsu. How much did working with those guys evolve your game? Um, coach Casey's a really good coach as far as, uh, MMA grappling. So the actual 10th planet jujitsu part of it isn't really something that I implemented. It was more of his MMA knowledge. I mean, he's coached okay. guys for years like Mark Munoz and, you know, Ben Saunders and guys like that. So his, his MMA grappling knowledge is, is top notch. And so it was good to have him and he's still going to be in my corner actually this, uh, Thank you. He's going to be in my corner this net following week with uh, Ricardo Almeida and Mark Henry. So it's going to be awesome to have him back here. Now, Mark Henry, of course, all of those guys, he's one of the best coaches in the business, and you're surrounded by killers. Marlon, Frankie, Edson, just to name a few. Tell us how making this move has evolved your game and what it's been lurk- what like working with all those studs. It's been awesome, man. I, I feel like... Um, the amount that they've helped me and the amount that I've been able to bring my game to the table here and kind of, you know, kind of brainstorm with each other. I can help them in certain areas and they can help me in certain areas. I mean, it's been great. I mean, I feel the good thing for me is anywhere that I go, I bring a a good skill set to the table. And so as far as I can learn, I can help teach. So it's, it's kind of a give and take. And that's how I always feel. I never go anywhere to train just to, just to take knowledge. I always like to give knowledge where I can and, uh, you know, just in help. I, I've always been somebody who's wanted to help better everyone around me because it's only going to make me better. So it's uh, it's been a good transition, and, and I love it out here. Absolutely. Of course, your wrestling credentials speak for themselves. I'm wondering, you know, you see the success of a guy like Frankie with a wrestling background as well. This team must be like a, a very interesting fit for your skill set. Yeah, that's awesome because uh, Mark Henry says that every time we work together, he's like, he's like, man, I, he's like, I don't even like teaching boxing. He's like, I like coaching wrestlers because I want them to get to their wrestling. And uh, so he uses, you know, he uses his skill set to to help us get to our wrestling, get to the areas that we're really good. And and uh, you know, even in sparring, he'll get pissed at me if I'm just 
working on some of the combos that were working instead of working on setting up my shots and getting to where <laughs> where my submission game is really good. So he'll always be like, you need to get him to the fence or you need to get work on your takedowns. Like he's always saying that. And, uh, and it's funny because he's a, he's a boxing coach. He's a striking coach, but he knows the game well enough to know that, uh, you know, wrestling and grappling is really what controls the, you know, that controls the fight. And not only does it control the fight, but it's intelligent of him to rather than take a wrestler and try to make a kickboxer, stick to your bread and butter and what you're good at. Right. Yeah, I mean, even the strikers like uh, like Edson and uh, like Marlon, he always wants them at grappling practice or wrestling practice. And we have the New Jersey RTC, which is Rutgers Wrestling and Princeton Wrestling, that are uh, you know right down the road from us. So he's always you know he's like, you guys got to get to wrestling practice. You know, he's always really uh, you know really adamant about the wrestling portion of the game because it's important from a defense perspective and from an offense perspective so uh i mean he's he's a smart coach there's no doubt very good absolutely i couldn't agree more 100 percent. so moving on to to this season last season you took home the prize with the inaugural pfl the the opening season defeated steven seiler in the final give us your thoughts on your performance that night and your the season as a whole oh it was a great year i mean busy year um one of those things where staying healthy was my main objective honestly i mean i've had you know injuries in the past and fights that have put me out for you know eight to 12 weeks and stuff like that so that was my main my main fear going into the season last year but everything worked out well i did i did the right things with my body and and stayed healthy as best i could and trained hard but trained smart and that's something that you uh you know you really it's hard when you're you have five fights in six months and two fights in one night in October. And it's, it's something you really have to, you have to go through it to really understand it. So going into it, this second season, you know, the top four guys from last year, we're all going to have that little bit of advantage knowing what happened last year and knowing how to improve ourselves from last year and be able to, you know, kind of gauge everything as the season goes on. Yeah. You know, that, that that's a, that's a great point you make. And, and one of my questions was, you know, it's such a long road to the finals in January. MMA athletes are never competing at 100%. But I'm curious to your approach to training and avoiding injuries, you know, that, of course, going hand-in-hand hand with the fight themselves. Do you look at this as needing to take the path of least resistance until the final or taking some ris- risks to, uh, you know, rack up the points? There's def- definitely an interesting dynamic at work with this format. What's your approach? Yeah, like last year, obviously, I was trying to get the highest seed possible, and obviously, Siler had some had some crazy stuff happen in his two first fights where he got first round finishes, and uh, you know was able to secure the first seed. But honestly, the seed doesn't really matter all that much. I felt like I got through the harder side of the bracket last year anyway, and beating Harrison in the semifinals was a great win for me. And it was I felt like our side of the bracket was the more stacked side when you look at it, but. Um, you know, the seeding is cool, but the seeding isn't everything. When it comes down to it, you got to win and, and perform and move on. So these first two fights definitely are important, and you got to win. You got to look for finishes. And I feel like every time I go into a fight, I'm looking to get the finish, but I never try to force anything. I feel like once guys try to force finishes or, you know, try and force things that aren't there, that's what kind of gets you in trouble. So, right. um, I mean, that's that's the game plan. That was the game plan last year. These first two fights are very important to 
to get in and get out and try and get a finish. But if it doesn't accumulate, it doesn't accumulate. There's a lot of tough guys in the bracket. Yeah, and at the same time, like you're saying, you got to stay healthy, man. A, a devastating injury would, would take you out of the season, and, uh, you know, that, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that's not something I dwell on, but it's definitely something that everybody thinks about because if you get injured, you can't just – you can't fight right away. Right, right. How life-changing has uh, winning the million-dollar prize been for you? It's been nice. It's it's been good because it's uh, you know you put money away for retirement, but other than that, nothing changes. Honestly, really, I'm I'm surprised to hear that. A lot of guys I've talked to are in in particular. Who was it? Uh, Sean O'Connell. I mean, he said this was the for him the easiest, fastest way to make a million dollars in this sport. Uh, but that's interesting to hear that for you it was just another day at the office. Yeah, I mean, I do it for the the championships and the belts and everything else. The money's great, but. I fought when I was poor, so fighting for a million is really, it's cool, <laughs> right. but it's, it wasn't really, uh, you didn't think about it. Like, that wasn't my reason for fighting in the tournament. You know, I, I would have fought in the tournament regardless, because I like to be active. That was the most active I've been in my entire career. Five fights in six months is pretty crazy for anybody. Absolutely, and then all that time off, I'm sure that's been nice as well. Yeah, for me, it wasn't really time off. I own a uh, snow removal and landscape company, so... Literally the day I got back on January 1st, we had a snowstorm in Columbus, so I was back to work that very next day and making sure that company's running well because I, I have a partner who helps me out when, uh, when I'm out of town and we kind of piggyback each other on the business, but uh, when I'm in town, I, I like things to be hands-on. I don't, I'm not a guy who likes to just you know point fingers and tell people where to go. I like to be involved and, and be doing things, so um, you know I like to stay busy. A break is good, but a break from training and fighting doesn't mean a break in life. I like to be busy all the time. Oh, for sure. And I'm sure your employees appreciate a hands-on boss much more than, like you're saying, a guy that just points fingers. Yeah, being a leader is different from being a boss, and I, I like to be a leader. For sure, for sure. Now, I've been saying all along that the PFL is revolutionizing the game with this format, puts the politics aside, and allows the best man to be crowned the champion at the end. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah, I think it's a great format. It's awesome that it's on ESPN this year. That makes a big difference, um, you know, just for views. And with piggybacking with the UFC, I think that helps a lot, too, because we're able to do, uh, you know, we're able to do the Thursdays and Saturdays. There's no there's no crossover there that would inhibit any viewers, so it's awesome. I will say, I will say that the, su- the success of the first season, with all that success, I'm a bit surprised that we haven't seen more athletes joining the roster. I was certain that, you know, there would be a mass migration of athletes salivating at that million-dollar prize. Do you think that kind of migration is just, uh, you know, going to take some time? I think because it's such a small window of recruiting, more than anything. True. true. You know? Because you think about it, think of like, let's say – Let's say they start recruiting after the semifinals in October. You have really like October to January. There's guys that may not get cut or may not end their contracts in another league during that time period. So they don't have a choice, you know, or they can't get out of their contract if they want to. So it's really and then if they do like during our season, if they do get cut or whatever it may be, they got to sit all the way until the next season is ready for the recruiting process 
So it's not really an easy thing to get into be, unless you're just a free agent for like eight months or something like that where you can just hop in if they're available. Yeah, and that's tough to do. I mean, sitting around for eight months when you're relying on those fights and those paychecks. You make a great point there. I hadn't even considered that. It's absolutely a very small window to join the league and get involved. Yeah, and that's the thing is a lot of people, I'm sure there's a ton of guys who want to get involved, but the ability to, to kind of sit and wait. I mean, if you're not making any money wherever you're fighting, I guess it's not that big of a deal. But, I mean, there's uh, that's the good thing now is there's a lot of – there's a, a good amount of organizations that guys can go to now. It's not just one organization where you're making money. I mean, a lot of these – a lot of the organizations like uh, like PFL and Bellator and 1FC, they're providing a lot of options for guys to actually go and make money, and it's not just about um, it's not just about one league anymore. I think that's important. Oh, I agree, man. I, competition is best for business. I'm very happy to see Bellator doing well, the PFL as well, and of course, one championship. Uh, the more options for you guys, the better, and. You know, I, it pleases me as, as a fan mostly to see all the opportunities for you guys to, to get good paydays and, you know, j- just the competition of, of getting offers. I mean, uh, you know, being able to play the field a bit is much better for each of you guys. But uh, you're going into the season with the odds in your favor, target on your back. But how excited are you to get back in there and potentially take home another title and, and another fat check? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, like last year, I took it one fight at a time, but, uh, you know, I, I have the millionaire mindset, and that's what I had last year. And you got to believe in yourself, especially in something like this. You have the most control in this situation of your destiny more than any other organization. And that's why that's why it's called a league and not a fight promotion, because it's, it's a league. You control your destiny, and, and that's why I like it more than any other you know any other place that i fought for give us your thoughts on your opponent alex gilpin not a household name but every M- mma athlete poses some challenges right what can you tell us about this guy and the stylistic matchup yeah i mean he's a uh he's more of a grappler base so i feel like that benefits me because i you know anytime somebody wants to grapple or wrestle with me i have the you know technical advantage over them in that area but i mean he's he's no slouch he's 12 and 1 he's got some decent wins he's fought overseas like he's got some experience um you know from a technique standpoint he's not very uh polished but he's definitely a tough guy and and i've uh, i've fought a lot of guys that a lot of people don't know when i was in world series of fighting and rfa and I fought a lot of tough guys that didn't really have that household name, so I'm used to that, and I'm used to um, not overlooking anyone. You know, you can't overlook somebody just because nobody knows who they are. That has nothing to do with them. You know, popularity doesn't show up in the cage. So for me, it's just about, you know, training smart and doing the right things, and I feel like this camp, we've done everything that we need to do to, uh, to go out there and look for the finish. Absolutely, man. Some guys just haven't arrived until they arrive, so very wise of you to approach approach it always like that. Uh, I'm sure you uh, expect to be re- dominant in the wrestling department yet again this season, but working with this new team, I'd imagine you also have some new wrinkles to your game that you're eager to showcase as well. Definitely. I, I think just um, 
just the the all around game and putting everything together and using everything is uh I've you know I've used a little bit of each thing and then my grappling is obviously um you know that overshadows everything else usually just because I'm able to dominate from there but I'm looking forward to being able to you know open up a little more and use a little bit more of of everything else my striking and you know my transitions to my grappling and different stuff like that so yeah I'm definitely looking forward to it and you know there's no better way to do it than you know on this stage on ESPN this year it's going to be awesome now looking at this uh season's field of competition many familiar faces a couple new ones as well I know you're not looking past the task at hand but who do you see as another possible favorite to uh meet you in the final this year I mean, obviously, I feel like Harrison was my toughest test last year. He's definitely going to be, be a favorite to to be there, depending on what side of the bracket we both end up on. Uh, Jeremy Kennedy, he was one of my training partners last year. He's definitely a guy where his only loss was to Volkanovski in the UFC, and, uh, and then he didn't get re-signed with the UFC, so he, he went elsewhere for a while, and now he's signed with PFL. So that's another tough opponent. Um you know, depending on how that plays out, we may fight each other this year also. So, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, the guys from last year were all tough too. I mean, I don't take any credit from Siler or Almeida because I've had great fights with both of them. But when it comes down to, you know, people who are probably going to be considered favorites, um, you know, going into this season, I would assume just because of, uh, you know, Kennedy's history uh, with the UFC, you know, and then, uh, Harrison's history with his record and all that. I think those are the, the two main guys that will probably be be really good for uh, good for my bracket. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, losing to Volkanovski, you've seen what he's been able to do. That says a lot about Kennedy and uh, his skill set. But I'm sure you expect to cross paths with Siler again at some point in the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he had some crazy situations last year where – the fight for him to get to the finals was pretty wild with the disqualification of Almeida and then his other fight with Almeida in the regular season where Almeida didn't tap, but the ref stopped it. And that was kind of a weird thing. So like he had, he had a horseshoe, he had a horseshoe up his ass getting to the finals. So, (laughs) I mean, anything can, anything can happen in these, in these fights. I mean, you can't put it past anybody to, to get to it. I mean, a third fight with him, a third fight with Almeida is possible. A third fight with Harrison is possible. I mean, it's uh, there's definitely uh, you know tons of options, and that's what's cool. There's so many different ways it can play out, and that's why it's fun. That's why it's fun to have this format. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, listen, Lance, you've been more than generous with your time. We greatly appreciate it. Just a couple more questions here for you. Tell us how you visualize this fight with Alex playing out. What's your prediction for the fight if you have one? Um, I visualize going out there and putting pressure on him and, uh, you know, overwhelming him with my pressure and getting a finish, whether it's on my feet or whether it's on the ground. I feel like I'm better than him in every position that we get to. So I'm just looking forward to go out there and doing it. I mean, everybody can talk and say what they want to do or what they're going to do, but, um, I feel I really have the skill set to go out and finish him anywhere. All right, man. And in conclusion, tell all the fans out there why they need to make sure they tune in on May 23rd, and why Lance Palmer is going to take home a second PFL championship. Yes, sir. May 23rd on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Um, 
a lot of people have been asking me about that actually. So it's like, it's either on ESPN two or it's going to be on ESPN plus. So we don't, I don't really know the fight order yet. So half of them are on one half of them are on the other. So you'll just have to figure that out when it gets closer to fight week. Uh, next week, I'm sure they'll post that on PFL MMA uh, Instagram page and Facebook page. So just keep an eye out for it and show support for the for the uh, league. And, you know, it's a building league and people are behind it. So I'm excited for it. Awesome, man. Awesome. Any shout outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Blue Horizon International out of New York and uh, Beat Kicks. Uh, headphone covers, machine washable headphone covers, and uh, they uh, they save your headphones. Instead of buying new $300 headphones, you buy the new covers, and it saves the cushions, and they've been great to me over the past year. They are with me all last season, and I'm excited for them to be with me again this year. Awesome, awesome. Again, greatly appreciate your time today, today Lance. Looking forward to the opening round of this season and all your continued success for the remainder of this year. Hopefully we can catch up again soon. Best of luck on the 23rd, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Have a good day, brother. You too, man. Later. Bye. Lance obviously has to be a clear favorite to win this second season. Interesting move to a new camp working with Mark Henry and all the great guys down there in Tom's River, New Jersey, Frankie Edgar, Edson Barboza, and company. And as he said, it's exciting that the PFL has now teamed up with ESPN. A lot more viewership and promotion for that league. And as you heard us talk about, competition is better for business across the board for all these athletes. But let's keep it moving. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, Her Highness, tough alumni, mixed martial arts veteran, 2020 Olympic wrestling hopeful, Angela Magana. All right, Penn Nation, your majesty has returned yet again. Please welcome back to the show the one and only Angela Magana. Thanks, as always, for joining us, Angela. How is life down in Puerto Rico today? Oh, um, I love life in Puerto Rico every day. Um, I, I'm just happy. I'm, my doctor, really, uh, of physical therapy, released me yesterday, and he's really knowledgeable with athletes, especially fighters, um, jiu-jitsu players, wrestlers. So um, I'm just super excited to be able to get back to training. So I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> I woke up excited. Good. Very good. Very good. Now, before we jump into things here, I know the last time we spoke was a while ago, and things were looking better after that devastating hurricane, but they could have been better overall. How's the rebuilding process been going, and are things back to normal yet? 
you know, all the people who were homeless before and were waiting on FEMA to build and um, Luis Fonsi, the guy who made the Despacito film here, had said he was going to come back and build these houses and none of them have been built. So a lot of these people are still homeless. Um, and a lot of people's houses are still compromised. Uh, the government just hasn't pulled through a lot with their end. It's a lot of really political crap, like most governments. Of course, of course. And that's very unfortunate, but... I mean, all in all, morale is high, and you know everybody kind of. Yeah, well, the morale together. is always high. It seemed like something like that actually brought us together more. Like such a devastating thing makes you you bond, um, brings you together. So many things that like stupid little things just get pushed aside, and um, everybody comes together. So we're stronger for, we're better for it. Even though like people are still suffering. I mean, I guess it just it makes us more primal. <laughs> you know, you have to collect rainwater sometimes. We still get a lot of people doing that still. Um, a lot of people still without electricity. Uh, a lot of people, you know, still every time it rains, they're bailing water out of their houses. Um, but it's just become a way of life, I guess, that people have adjusted. Man, that is really unfortunate to hear. I certainly it wish really you all is. the best in that regard. However, yeah. you but have there a pretty... are like aid. There is a lot of aid. There's like more things being happening as far as um, people out of the kindness of their own hearts. There's different, like tax incentives that are, are like Act 20, Act 22, and opportunity zones that are bringing um, people out here. I mean, that's part of the reason Dana White came out here, and there's all these different MMA promotions that are looking to come out here, is all these different things. And so that's going to, if it goes well, um, that, that and it has gone well, and they bring a lot of like aid and a lot of help, and they're actually making like a full city um, that will be um, all a solar city. They're looking into and it's some of that, that income that's coming from those types of people. So they're bringing a lot of help um, as far as what they want to do, but then, you know, it just gets very political. But things, things are getting good and happening, and there's people who like aren't with politics who are trying to help, and that's really kind of what's making the change. And some of this renewable energy stuff, and uh, like they're trying to do it, and then the governor's like saying, no, you can't use renewable energy. So it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, bureaucracy always gets in the way, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that uh, an economist I'm, uh, I follow quite, quite closely has moved his entire company to Puerto Rico for the tax-exempt status, and... He was talking about, you know, giving back through donation and that kind of thing. So it's good to hear that some people are, are chipping in to help. Dane is doing his whole organization out here for that, you said? No, no, no. Uh, an, an economist that, that I follow. A guy oh, named... oh, okay. I was yeah. like, well, I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, everybody's doing it. The Rothschilds have it. The Rockefellers have it. Um, we had, there's a lot of people moving. I actually consult a lot for Act 20, Act 20. Ed with Gameness, him and like Scott, they have a hospital in Mexico. They've come out here. I've done a little bit of consulting, helping for them. Um, I did, a lot of people are doing the, the, the big move here because it's a huge break. And just like, hopefully it's, it's people with good intentions and, and everybody I've run into, honestly, I have good intentions. My gym is actually on one of the board of charities for the association and all the stories I've heard so far. Never, I haven't heard anything bad besides like this Lynn Miranda guy who came. Um, he was like supposedly a nonprofit, and a lot of, he got a lot of kickback. But that's the only bad person I've heard like taking advantage of the system. Because the thing is, the Puerto Ricans will kick back because all of a sudden we're being taxed eleven point five percent. All of our groceries are thirty to forty percent higher than the U.S. because of the Jones Act. Um, so th like we the people here get taxed so harshly, we end up paying like over fifty percent of what most people pay. But now you get the rich people here and they don't have to pay any tax. So they have to be careful how they go. Like a lot of the crypto people came out here. And at first they were like wearing crypto on their shirts and stuff. And now they don't even like to tell people because there was some, some things that went down um, because they were trying to pretend like they wanted to save the island, but the locals were not having it. Right, 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 right. And that's the point I was making. This one particular economist 
came out there for the tax exemption, bashes the Jones Act uh, through and through, but has been horrible. giving back in, in you know, monetary And then in like 06, 07, when like they took all the tax breaks too, and that made the economy dump here again. And yeah. Right, right, right. Well, regardless of all that, again, I, I wish everyone well, but you yourself, you've had a pretty crazy situation recently. You went in yeah. for surgery, ended up in a coma for a couple of days. Strangely enough, you had said something about being worried about a coma before the procedure. First off, tell us exactly what the surgery was and how you ended up in the coma. Well, the, the interesting thing is, is like I had actually been in a car accident a long time ago, and I was unresponsive one morning in the in the hospital, and they had given me mannitol, so it was like not even the I had broken my back. Like it's crazy. You would think I had like the worst luck in the world, and I actually don't even feel that way. But anyways, it's just crazy. When I write it down, I look back. I'm like, holy shit! I literally have like nine lives. I mean, <laughs> um. So what happened was, uh, I had had this herniated pulled disc or whatever. I was trying to treat it with a um pain blocker well after the pain blocker i had these onset of um symptoms that they they were concerned about when i went back in you know it got worse you know you go in and you know anything happens gets worse you go back in so i went in and um they weren't too happy with um the symptoms that were happening so the emergency um admitted me and wanted to cut me open for the for something called cauda ikana which is a really nasty neurological disease like thing that can happen to you but they did some nerve testing and stuff and that wasn't it but i was having uh, but there was like a spot on my spinal cord from when i broke my back before that they were concerned about um the spinal cord damage that could be presenting the issues because they couldn't see the problem with what they were thinking well uh, further down on my spine though i also had a herniated disc so um that that needs to be surgery that needed to be done because that was also causing a lot of nerve um causing a lot of nerve pain and they didn't right, want that right. nerve to, to die you know they want permanent damage so they went in and they removed the um disc herniation and, and they thought the whole disc was dead and they were ready to put a cadaver disc in which i guess is like kind of a newer procedure um and when they went in they realized that my body had regenerated my own discs by itself and they said that's usually only with stem cell that that happens they never really had seen anything like this so miraculously my body did what it's supposed to do and heal um and i really believe that's because of i have a really good diet you know and, and i exercise and i'm a very healthy person so and i and i believe the mind has a lot to do with healing Absolutely. you know uh, sometimes Absolutely. the placebo effects works better than the actual medicine so a lot of mind training there <laughs> yeah no absolutely okay so they were potentially going to do the cadaver but your body had miraculously healed the disc itself yeah so, so they just cut off what was impinging on the nerve and like on he said he unwound the nerve whatever the hell that means i don't know right right okay so so from there how did that lead to the coma that was the anesthesia oh that was okay, just anesthesia okay, okay. alone so i had a uh, uh i just found out i had a, what it was is an allergic reaction malignant hypothermia it's called and i guess it's genetic and they wanted me to wear a uh i i might have to well this is what they're saying a freaking medical alert bracelet but I can't wear jewelry. I literally will lose it. I've lost every pair of jewelry I've ever had because I'm always off and on the mat. You can't wear that stuff and train. Right. There's no way I can keep track of all of it all the time. Um, so I, I'm thinking about getting like a tattoo on my wrist or something possibly. I don't know. I need to talk to some firefighters and ask them, hey, if you saw this, would you know what this means, you know? Right. So, um, but... Yeah, so now they, they want me to have that done for that. And then I had these people like, oh, to the hospital, this and that, and this because it's the state hospital, blah, 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 because with my insurance, they're supposed to do some kind of a genetic testing, CGX, automatically, but because it was an emergency situation, that clause causes them not to, and you can't go against a government entity in Puerto Rico, I guess, is a new rule, too. <laughs> 
Oh boy! So, but I'm not into all of that. I'm not into. Oh, and I'll. I, oh, I have nothing else. Something else to say. I'll be releasing some stuff. I know I can talk. It's been nearly two years since the cyborg incident, and um, uh, I was only suing her because I needed to have my medical bills paid. But the UFC went ahead and paid it, and it's been two years. So now I can talk about it. So I was kind of. Nobody wants. We didn't want to say anything until the the years pass of uh, what do you even call it. When, when uh, it goes out of time, I forgot the word right now. Uh, the uh, non-compete clause, that kind of thing. No, whenever like when you can't, when when it's like so much time comes by and you can't go against somebody, like two years or like three years. Well, it's two years that that passed, and now I can't go against her. So the UFC paid my medical bill. My medical bills was nearly fourteen thousand dollars. Pretty soon, I'm gonna like take pictures and put them online and like show people where I was coming from. Like I shouldn't be responsible for a fourteen thousand dollar medical bill. UFC finally we have it all dealt with and everything. So I never had to go against cyborg herself, and I dropped the charges as long as the woman took uh uh anger management classes. <laughs> so I just want to make the point like everybody wants to act like I'm some horrible person but what is everybody doing about the McGregor I hear people are like having to go to the psychiatrist and are permanently damaged by it and trying to sue him for this and sue him for that do that I mean I was actually punched by a person in the face and I didn't do anything to provoke it just what everybody else does talk shit online <laughs> what fighters do heckle each other and uh and, and I thought it was really fucking funny so that's you know I, I entertain myself more than anything I think it's funny then that's all that matters um so I just wanted to give you a little update on that. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's two good. years is up. <laughs> that, that's good. That's good. So it sounds like that's all water under the bridge now. The medical bills are paid. Chargers yeah. are dropped. I, and, I just want to show everybody. So what happened was, oh yeah, too was when she punched me, my mouth split open. So they had to do a bunch of stitches on the inside of my mouth. I don't lose a tooth or anything. So nobody, I couldn't really tell anybody anything that happened. So yeah, that's what happened. And but I'm gonna like show the medical bills and release them, you know, and, and let everybody know. Like you guys all want to talk crap on me, but when Tom Connor does it, it's okay. Uh, or whenever Connor does it, it's horrible, and you guys all want to go. Um, everybody wants to. It's just so it's, fans are so stupid and fickle most of the time. They, they yeah, don't want yeah, to, you know, know. They want to go against me, and uh, but and and it's okay if all these other fighters are you know saying all these mental problems because of it and all these different damages. Right. Well, unfortunately, there's also a whole new wave of fans that have come into the fold that really don't know their ass from their elbow to begin with. So. <laughs> exactly those are the ones i'm talking about i mean i love my fans I, okay i love me some fans but i hate me some peasants all right so that's what it guys how it goes <laughs> so just just to stay with this coma thing real quick really yeah. really scary stuff but as a fighter through and through i think everybody was happy to see you come out of it what was it like coming out of the coma you know do you remember anything while you were under what or was it basically just like an extra long dream I don't remember anything. Honestly, I wish I could tell you, like, oh, I remember people talking to me. Or anything. I, it wasn't. It's not like a regular coma where I'm, my brain is this or that. It's like a medically induced thing, I guess. So, um, honestly, I, I, I guess I woke up and I was, I was like, you know, talking and stuff. But even the first twenty four hours, I don't remember anything. Like the doctor was telling my coach, who was there with me the whole time um, after the surgery. Well, actually, there the whole thing. Um, like, she should not be doing this. This is her. He's like, this is not Angela. I was, like, being so mean and nasty, trying to punch everybody who came in the room. I was screaming <laughs> at every doctor and nurse, you fucked me up. You fucked me up. Like, they said I was the most aggressive person they've ever seen. And there was, like, a nurse who'd been there for 40 years in the neuro department, in the neuro ICU. So that's crazy. Like, I had a horrible reaction to it on top of not waking up from it. Like, there was some, I don't know, I, I became, and I, when things weren't clear, like, the first couple, first week after even leaving the hospital, it's really weird. It really affected me horribly so all in all it was it was an allergic reaction to the to the anesthesia and going forward obviously you know not to do that kind of anesthesia ever again 
Yeah, well, no, they have different alternative things for, for that. But the problem is, is, like, that's where the medical ID bracelet comes in. So if I have a car accident um, and they don't know and they just have to do emergency surgery, I could potentially die just from anesthesia, you know? So I have to figure out what to do about that. Right, right. Well, And also, like, have my daughter genetically tested to see if she has it. And not have to, like, let my sister know because it's genetic, too. And it's, for some reason, higher among athletes, too. I don't Yeah, that seems to be very strange. But I would agree with you. I think the tattoo thing's probably the way to go. Uh, yeah, I can't do jewelry. Yeah. But I will say the MMA community seemed to show a lot of love and support for you during this time. I feel like even Yeah, your, I saw that. Yeah, even, even your haters quite... were wishing you well. Did you did you feel the love from the fans following that scary experience? Yeah, I did. Like when I was coming back more and I started to see I'm still actually still starting to see. It's quite amazing how that MMA community pulled together um and and uh I was really hoping and, and, and wanting me to um pull through. I was actually um uh, I'm very humbled and honored by that, to be honest. Well, that's good. That's good. I saw something you had posted on, on Twitter about overcoming the odds, and it was a link to uh, Vinny Pazienza's Wikipedia. Vinny uh, is a born and raised Rhode Islander like myself. I, I've had the pleasure of meeting of him a few times, and he certainly overcame the odds in a big way. I'm sure you feel like you have plenty of places to draw motivation from, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, That's that was where – and it's so funny because I see so many people like – like just like thinking so many weird situations around this is part part of like when I started to have these interviews and, and start to talk more about it. People tell me like somebody, I guess people are saying that I, I faked it to pull out of a fight, Kira or something, and I started laughing. Um, so I started to hear these like different conspiracies that people have. People like, oh, how can she just put busy pads on there and think and and know, and then all of a sudden this happens to her, and it's like. Things are not coincidence. Like everything manifests for a reason. Like I obviously knew something was going to happen to me. Like, and we got to listen to our gut. Like we are very intuitive, intuitive beings as humans. And like, I knew, I knew, and and I should have listened to my gut. I mean, I regret it. I could have died because of that. And and I had a chance to 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 say it. But then I had already waited around for the surgery because in the video I, I had post that I had posted that was posted about what I had recorded of myself. That they said, well, do you want to do the testing? And I'm like, no, let's just do it. Because, you know, I'm already there, but we'd be wheeled in. Like, it's kind of hard to say no then. But um, I guess we just, we were more, we I should have gone with my gut. And every, the gut always knows. We always know. We're so intuitive. Yeah, I think the real irony was that you kind of called it. You know what I mean? I, that was the that was the real irony with, it, with all of it. But, again, glad to see you back out there and on the up and up and all that behind you. Now that yeah. it is all behind you. What's next? Last time we spoke, you said you planned on wrestling for the Puerto Rico uh, team in the Olympics. I see some things that would suggest you might be headed for Combate Americas. What's Her Majesty got planned for this year? Well, so the funny thing is I had to step back from the national team and the girl because I was injured. And the girl went to Argentina for the like Pan American Games or whatever. And um, she missed weight. So the federation suspended her for the year. She's the biggest competition I have in the weight class. So I'm back in the number one spot, even though I can't compete. I'm actually got to talk to my coach today because they're getting ready to go to Spain. I obviously can't go compete and train in Spain right now on the national team. But I think the next one I can do um, and let them know, you know, my, the update on what's going on. And my, my doctors have passed me. So I got to talk to my, the Olympic coaches today and let them know what's going on. But so I'm back in the number one spot, even though I'm injured. <laughs> Just because the other girl screwed up. I could have wrestled her off again. But um, now I don't even have to worry about that. So uh, I'm I'm not I'm not particularly familiar with the qualifiers for all of this, but it sounds like you do still have time to qualify. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm back on the number one team spot. Uh, world's coming in. Well, I can obviously I can try. I can go to Worlds to try to qualify for the Olympics. But I also have more. I, I'll go for a national team again in December, and then try to qualify again at the games for the Olympics. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, so what? I mean, what's the uh, what's the timetable for you to maybe you know get back to that hard kind of training? Um, well, I can resume like 85%. Um, I think I'm going to start, I've, I've just done a little bit of jujitsu on Sunday. I was just kind of testing myself with the doctors that I can do. I, he gave me, uh, you know, the go ahead. So, um, I think hard, hard training and then the next month and then I'll be ready to, I was in excellent shape when I, when this happened. Like I had just, I had competed at the, uh, I had fought in August then I competed in three wrestling tournaments and then I competed in the national team. And then I competed in January at the Dave Schultz at the end of that. So, and then I was getting ready for a fight. So I was in incredible shape, had competed actually and made weight more than I've ever had in my life in a short period of time that I did. So I was in incredible shape. So I still am like, quite muscular and still in really incredible shape it's quite i have good genetics i guess or a really strong base of muscle i don't know but i'm in really good shape so it's just like a little short blip out of time for me really well that's good then so you'll be you'll be back to business in no time aside from the olympics tell i mean uh, the stuff so combate there's a lot of big news coming about combate and i don't know if i can't even share it i might have to ask them but there's some huge news a lot of people are just looking into um um, dana's coming i've been i i'm still really i'm in good terms with dana you know business is business but we still have created a friendship through it all um they're you know as they they're coming out here doing their pi um institute one of the pi institutes here and i'm actually the only gym uh, registered by the state of puerto rico as a mma gym i recognized as an mma gym so i got a little bit of a kick ahead of everybody else on that on the island <laughs> and my gym's on the ocean too i got a really cool location i'm very proud of it i have built this gym from my my hands by my with my hands and with just a dream and a hope and everybody else invested into my dream with me and i have this gym gym the property's paid off the building's completely paid off i own it outright and um just be building fighters yeah i know that was something i was going to ask about i i give you a lot of credit for you know giving back to the community with that gym sounds like things have been going well i'm wondering are there any potential stars in the making walking through the doors yeah, you know, we got a girl who signed. She's actually signed with Spartan Boxing. Um, we got some MMA organizations looking to sign her. Yeah, we got a lot of people that are, we got a lot of eyeballs on us right now looking to sign people. And the thing is, is MMA was illegal at all about a year ago, full MMA in, on the island, and now it's gotten legal. So, and with all the tax breaks that are happening in Act 2022 and the Opportunity Zones, there's a lot of people coming. And even in the last two years, I've had a lot of people wanting to jump on board and start an MMA organization out here with me. Um, different, lots of different people, bare knuckle people have inquired, different MMA organizations have inquired, and I've even come out with like different business plans and um, stuff like that. So it's going to hit really hard here because of all the tax breaks. I mean, it's a no brainer. You only pay 4% business tax if you come out here. You don't get no personal tax, no property tax. It's, you know, if you're, if you own, if you're own a business and you have that type of money. Right, right. So I know you can't give away anything or spill the beans here, but it, it's sounding to me like, the UFC is making some moves in Puerto Rico and Cabate probably going to try to hold an event or something down there. They're looking, um, I mean, I really can't say they're also looking, they're, they're, they're going lots of places. Honestly, they're, they're looking at another place like a venue in, uh, uh, in Vegas, like that hasn't been used in a long time. Like they're expanding, they're doing some huge, huge stuff. Like the weird thing is, is so what, like 
they're trying to like I don't know what's going on honestly with this like why is the USC putting their fingers out here and they're all looking for like they all all of a sudden they're going to all these different places and they're trying to really start getting all these fighters putting their hands on all these different fighters I've got Dana contacting me I've got um Combate talking about different fighters not even to come here but to put in, into their organization other places I've got uh, a bunch of other organizations too talking to me I've got other organizations here one start up MMA fights I've got uh, one MMA organization here always trying to use me or help out and I've helped out with them um, so I don't know what's going on in the MMA world but something's going to happen soon I don't know what it is but they're going like people are really expanding out and, and I don't know I don't know so, what do so, you think? <laughs> <laughs> well I would say if you're telling me they're putting a performance institute out there that should that should tell you everything you need to know. But uh, aside from competition, I mean, does it sound like you could maybe step into the realm of, uh, you know, promoting and co-promotion? Um, they're all pushing me into it, really. Man, people are really pushing me into it. But my days of fighting aren't over. I'll, I'll do that in the future. And, and, you know, and I'll help out anybody. Like, I, you know, I'll help out Dana and, 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 and I'll help out people, you know, and get them in contact with my team of people here because doing business in Puerto Rico is very difficult just because of the red tape anywhere. And um, I love Puerto Rico and everything, but uh, the, the way that you have to do business is just a bit tiresome. And, and, and you're like, what? You know, like, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of things, it's hard to get a lot of things done in Puerto Rico, but I like the old school way of, of doing things here. Honestly, I, I take pride in the, in, a, in the old school way. Um, and the weird thing is that it's like, it's a little bit dangerous to do to do business here. It can be at certain times um, if the people don't know how to do business, you know. And uh, it's like the best way to explain it is it's not crooked like you can pay the cops off like you would in Thailand or Mexico or whatever. If they pull you over, they're just trying to get money from the people. The cops aren't crooked like that. It's not crooked until you get way deeper into the government. Um, but it's it's so you can do business like fine like that but then it's gangster like it is in those types like <laughs> in those kinds of they're real places you just have to be really careful like even like morgan reed has come out here and ran into a lot of problems of death threats and had had to do like anonymous meetings and stuff in the past but that's all like getting a bit better so it's just like you just you can't be an asshole you fuck around fuck around you're gonna get fucked around that's right, the main right, thing right. Well, anywhere I'm, in the world i'm from uh one of the mob capitals of the country, so I, I get so that. You, you, you got you got to grease some palms, you know what I mean? I, That's how it goes. Right, yeah, I mean right, it's just right. business. So, all right. So, aside from the you know possible running the promotion, uh, the the Olympics are obviously still on the horizon for you. What about fighting? I mean, I know you say that you're not done fighting. Is there any news there? Anything? Oh, on the I'll be fighting now? at the end of the year. But I'm 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 signed with Combate for a year and a half. They have me. And they, and they were willing to work with me in, in, in the national team. I would have gotten the national team sooner, but the UFC wouldn't allow it. So that was one cool thing about getting caught from the UFC. Now I have the dream of, like, like the fact that I even have the opportunity to go. The, the fact that I'm on an Olympic team. What? That's yeah, crazy. That's, I can't even believe that. And the only reason that happened was because I was getting ready for the Blue, uh, Amanda fight, my last fight with the UFC, and there was no... There was no electricity, so the Olympic team was training in the days, and that was like one of the only facilities I had because everybody fled the island or all the facilities were broken and, and messed up. So the only place really was like the Olympic training center. So I went over in Puerto Rico, so I went over there, and I was taking down all the girls. Nobody could take me down, so I was like, I might as well do this shit. Right. <laughs> and I did it, <laughs> and I'm still doing it. That's good. That's good. But So, so yeah. in, in regards to MMA competition, you will fight before the end of the year? Oh, yes. Most, most definitely. Oh, yeah. Hopefully twice. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So no timetable on any of that right now. It's just kind of focused on getting back just to 100%. Healing. Like, I mean, I can't jump it. I mean, I'm just so excited. My doctor <sighs> passed me yesterday, you know, but I still got to, you know, there's some small things that I have to do. Like, I can't, like, 
for instance, bend over and touch my toes all the way, that total flexion of the spine, not yet. But I can do pretty much everything else. No no really heavy lifting, not full sparring. And that's pretty much just my only restrictions, honestly. Now, is there is there much physical therapy with this or? So the doctor of physical therapy had me do a few things yesterday and show he came to my gym. It was really cool. Um, and uh, cause I told him like my neurologists are like so slow with getting back with me and, and they're supposed to like, they told me they're going to recommend me for physical therapy because I still have some like stinging, like a little bit of numbing and that's nerve stuff that could might not ever go away. And I wasn't able to walk. I, I just started walking normal literally like two days ago. Yeah, but he said he did some tests on me and he's going to be training at my gym. And he said, you know, as long as I'm able to do all these different things, he doesn't think that I've lost anything. And he just is the one that gave me a little bit of restrictions, but said to go. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely. And I'm 35. Like, I'm getting, you know, I'm just happy that my body is healing and, and still performing so well. I want to leave the sport on my terms. I don't want the sport to put me out, you know. No, absolutely, and I think I think every fighter wishes the same thing. But I got to tell you, it's 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 been a been a crazy journey so far. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm not over. And and like I I had that blood disease that I finally cured, and now that I I have this cardio, like that's ailed me the first twelve years of my career, and I just barely fixed that. And and when I fought that that fight with Cooper, I was uh, going through a uh, a hurricane. I had not a lot of electricity in my whole fight camp, and I should, probably shouldn't have even done it, but I I'm stubborn. Um, and then, you know, I lost to, in Japan last year, um, fair and square. And I guess that girl, she, she went and did the same move on another girl. It wasn't a fluke. I couldn't believe it. She von flew another another girl. Um, uh, but I like, I swear I got my glove stuck and the way those gloves were padded, I couldn't get it out, but it wasn't a fluke if she did it again. Uh, but I learned a lot, you know, I faced Japan's best and now I'm in, com- I'm in combate and, I, and I'm, I'm so, um, willing to not. Uh, face the best in the world. No, no, no bagging on them, but they don't have a Tisha Torres and Michelle Waters and the number one fighter in Japan. So I'm looking forward to building myself again with Combate and growing with Combate because they're just growing too. Very good. Well, I'm, I'm very glad to hear it and happy that you're doing well. Very much looking forward to your return and, and all the future has in store for you, Angela. I guess in conclusion, tell all the fans out there what to be on the lookout for with you. And anything you think we missed or anything you wanted to get off your chest, the floor is yours, my friend. Oh, um, you know, I just wanted to uh, send a really big thanks to, to, to all the people who who were concerned. Um, as I said, I'm very humbled by that uh, and very honored that um, people took the time to even think about me, to discuss anything about me. Um, and I, I feel like this is really going to be a great year for myself and for MMA, too. Um, I'm always, you know, wanting to just build the sport um, and, and martial arts, especially in this island. Um, I'm just very grateful this island has taken me in. Like I'm one, of, I'm like I'm actually uh, Puerto Rican. <laughs> I'm Mexican, living in Puerto Rico. Um, there's just a lot of support that I have on this island, and I'm very grateful for it. And I'm grateful for the support of the MMA community. And um, I guess that's about it. I think I I covered everything else. So we we can expect to see you back in action in MMA maybe a couple times this year and hopefully on the Olympic team for Puerto Rico in 2020. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely – I'm already back on the Olympic team. I just can't perform at the moment. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's – I'm going to be fighting for Combate. I'm going to be um, competing um, for my island, competing all around the world for, for Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, my daughter turns 18 in a year, too. <laughs> I got my, my – I got three kids. I can't believe that. So I'm a mother of a – my daughter's about to be 17 on June 7th. So 
in a year from there, she's at 18. That's just crazy. Well, you got a you got you got a full plate, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're no they're not easy. 16 year old girls, quite emotional creatures. Oh my god. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, life is great. I just great every day is it's more exciting and more exciting and i just love where i live you know even though the like and that's just any kind of island life you live in thailand you live in the virgin islands it's just those things that you you have to get used to brownouts power outs more expensive tax on everything <laughs> corruption well you got it you got to pay for the for the beauty of the land you live right yeah hey i'm not complaining <laughs> all right uh any, any shout out sponsor plugs uh plug your gym Anything yeah, like Team that? La Perla, follow us. You guys can all follow us at Team La Perla. We don't, we have Facebook and Instagram. Follow me, um, Your Majesty Magania. There's a few Instagrams that have been out there with thousands and thousands of followers that they thought were me. It's not me. Find me on Facebook, my fan page. Um, uh, all my team um, at Sparta, the Olympic team, my Olympic coaches, uh, Arturo and Franklin. Um, I just want to thank George Contreras, my lawyer, Barry. Um, all my sponsors, Carrie sponsor. That's just hard for me. I always do this. Like even after a fight, and people want to thank me, have me think. I always forget all of them. I'll just <laughs> tag them in it. They all know they love me. And they right. Well, you know, it's it's better to be. Feast- they don't care about the shine and the, and the and the glory. They just want to support. And I, I ugh, I'm horrible. I should have it written down. Well, it's better to be uh be having the feast rather than famine, right? Too too many to yeah. remember. That's good. All right. Again, greatly appreciate the time today, Angela. Glad you're doing well. Hopefully, we can catch up again. When something gets officially announced, until then, all the best to you and keep on fighting the good fight. Perfect. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks for the for the time. Always, always. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a crazy ordeal over the past couple years it has been for Angela being cut from the UFC, dealing with the hurricane in Puerto Rico, going under the knife for a surgery, and subsequently going into a coma from the anesthesia. Coming out of that, attempting to make the 2020 Olympic team for Puerto Rico and wrestling. And as you heard her discuss, she is not done with MMA. We should expect to see her in Combate Americas sometime before the end of the year. So as we know, she gets a lot of hate, but we certainly wish her the best. She's always been good to us, and we look forward to all the future has in store for her. But let's keep it rolling. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, set to make his PFL debut, Jeremy Kennedy. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show UFC veteran who is set to make his PFL debut on May 23rd in Long Island, Jeremy Kennedy. Thanks for joining us today, Jeremy. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Ah, Our pleasure, our pleasure. Where are you calling us from today? Are you currently in British Columbia? Uh, No, I'm in in Vegas full-time now. Um, I kind of go split my time a little bit. When I don't have fights, but uh, when it's fight camp, I'm I'm majority down here in Vegas. Okay, uh, what 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 team are you working with down there? Uh, it's Extreme Couture. Um, after my last fight in the UFC, actually last year, I uh, switched camps and moved moved here full time. Awesome, man! A lot of great guys to work with. How has that adjustment been for you? Uh, and you know, it must lend itself to an evolution of your game overall. Oh, it's been huge, man! It's uh, best thing I've done in my career so far you know it's uh it just took a little bit you know it took that first loss to really like make me step out of my comfort zone you know I was just going through the motions back at home I had a smaller gym I knew all my training partners been training with them forever and uh yeah like coming here and 
working with new coaches and getting those hard rounds of like almost getting in like fights in, in the gym in a sense, you know, like nice hard rounds, people watching, you're in the cage, and it, it just makes the fight so much more realistic and it makes your sparring rounds so much more beneficial, you know, rather than just all your buddies show up and we're all shooting shit and talking and joking around and then sparring and having fun and then leaving, you know. I, I needed that adjustment and make it a, a full-time, 100% all-in when I'm out here. If I'm not training, I'm just uh, recovering. You know, I don't have any other distractions. Right, I was just about to say, no distractions, you know, taking yourself out of your comfort zone, that's all very important to uh, growing as a martial artist. Yeah, and I think my last few fights have kind of shown that, you know, I've been a completely different fighter. Not even with just like, yeah, I've had wins, but the way I've approached the fights, mentally and just how I've done in my style in the cage have just been night and day, you know, and I think that kind of shows that my training's paying off. For sure, man, for sure. Now, you have a few fights in the UFC, so the hardcore fans should be pretty familiar with you, but for those who aren't, man, tell us a little bit about your journey. You had your first amateur fight at uh, 15, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been a long journey, man. It's... Um, I went went through the regional ranks down at out in BC, you know, and then I uh, got signed by the UFC. I went three and one, you know. My lo- my my only loss was my last fight on my contract against Volkanovski, and I was in Australia too, you know. So it's tough, you know. I spent my whole UFC career kind of on the road, you know, fighting guys in their hometowns. I went to Brazil and fought Honey Jason, and you know, went to New York, Long Island, and fought Kyle Bokniak from Boston, and so I was kind of just doing that and I was successful with it you know but I had a lot of growing to do and I was I was so young you know and then uh when I when I didn't resign and I moved camps I kind of just became a bit more mature like physically I've always I was always you know never undersized but mentally I had so much more growing to do and um yeah after that I signed with Brave Combat Federation and they're based in the Middle East so I I traveled and I was fighting world-class you know opposition out there in Morocco and Saudi Arabia and it just kind of allowed me to to develop my my skills a little bit more against high caliber guys and big stages you know and I was main eventing out there so I I was used to the the crowd and the stage and all the set and all that like that but uh yeah and I got two two knockouts there two for two uh good nice knockouts and that was just kind of something I always needed was just a few finishes, especially with my hands striking on the feet. And it just gave me the more confidence, like stuff my coaches already knew, but I just uh, had to implement it, you know. And now I can just vividly see these knockouts in my head before the fight, you know. And it's easy to visualize when once you've already done it. And um, I just think, honestly, the PFL is where I was meant to be. I was meant to win this million dollars. I was meant to be in the UFC a little early still be successful there but gain all that knowledge and now I'm, I'm 26 years old I've had 20 something fights and the UFC vet and uh, I've got youth and experience you know which is a pretty hard trait to find definitely man especially in this sport so it sounds like to me uh, the, the opportunity that you took in the Middle East and the growing you got to do outside of the UFC outside of a big promotion in the States this was for you for you to prove to yourself what you're capable of. Absolutely. And and it's just like to be able to put all the tools together. And, you know, it takes a lot to travel across the world and still cut weight. And you have to be professional and even more strict on your diet. And and those are all boxes I was checking, you know. And then now 
I get to fight, you know, people are thinking that I'm, I'm fighting far away, but like this is like almost in my backyard from Vegas to New York compared right. to my last few fights. I'm going to get there the same day I leave. You know, it's no. Right. <laughs> it's a three hour time change. You know, that's, that's nothing. And it's a five hour flight. So I'm really excited to be able to fight locally in a sense, you know, which might sound weird to some, but, um, I'm just, I, I can't wait, man. I can't wait to get the season started now that it's on ESPN. And like I said, I just feel like everything has kind of led me in my career. It's been like all the little blessings disguises have led me to right now to this PFL tournament where I'm, I'm about to, you know, cash in and win this million. Yeah. I tell you, man, it's everybody's journey's different and, and you got to take all of the ups and downs and stride and, and just look at it as uh, more or less fate. But Real quick, just to stay on the UFC thing, as you mentioned, you went three and one with the promotion, and strangely enough, you left after only one loss in the company, and that was at the hands of Alexander Volkanovsky, as you mentioned. I mean, he's arguably a few future champion with just a couple more fights. Tell us what happened there. What was the decision to not re-sign with the UFC? Well, yeah, like I think the big part was is they were they had the more of the power. You know, my three wins were decisions. You know, I had a not too good showing against Alex, which obviously led me to change a lot of things. And, and like I said, it's a blessing in disguise, made me fix a lot of things. But um, there, it was just in a time, it was last, you know, spring. And it was in the time where they were, the ultimate fighter was my weight class was coming in. The Dana White Contender Series through the summer was starting up. Dana White looking for a fight. Like all these avenues, and they were all in my weight class. So they kind of were just, you know, very slow, and the transition was wasn't happening as fast as I wanted. You know, and I, I after that last fight, I didn't want to sit on a loss. You know, I did. I it was my first loss as a pro, and I didn't want to sit on it, and I didn't want to have that that taste in my mouth for that long. You know, I wanted to stay busy. I wanted to get right back at it. So I, I was I was expressing to them. I was like, hey guys, like I got to fight regardless. You know, if we're if we're moving forward or not, I have to fight. And so once the the negotiations were kind of getting dragged out and it was, you know, a few months had been passed and I was training and I was already living out here in Vegas and I was ready to go, they, um, I could have jumped on the Contender Series or um, I got offered Brave and Brave Combat Federation. And they were willing, right right in the contract, you know, I, I said I, I want to fight every three months. Uh, like, I just want to stay busy. That, that's my biggest thing with my youth. And I'm always training, and this is my only job that I don't want to have to be waiting for a fight and waiting for a paycheck if I'm training and I'm doing the work every day, you know. So right. I just want to guarantee. And once Brave said, okay, we'll keep you busy 100%, and they'll give me the UFC out, it was kind of a, a no-brainer. I can stay busy. I can get fighting, get that loss out of my brain. And when the UFC, when, when, when we were on the same page, I was able to jump back over Obviously, things started to change because, you know, PFL came to me with an, like a, a great offer, you know, and I'm very happy with PFL, and I'm, I, I, like I said, I think this is where I was meant to be. So um, after the two, the two brave wins, I jumped ship to PFL, and um, now there's no looking back. I'm excited about it. Right, right, right. And, of course, you know, going from UFC on some big cards – to Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, that's kind of a step backwards. Yeah. So I, I don't blame exactly. you. Exactly, and the money, the money was was better with Brave, and 
the opportunity to travel to Morocco and all that, it was just like, it was a no-brainer to me. I, I didn't want to take a step down, especially after the loss. Right, right. Now, you've landed with the PFL in the featherweight bracket. I know you're excited to make your promotional debut next week, but this format is pretty awesome, man. Takes the politics out of the sport, lets the best man win. I've been saying for a while that, you know, this really could change the game. Give us your thoughts on the format. That's the thing, and, and like I've been saying with me staying busy, this is I know my fight schedule for the rest of the year, you know, with the dates and locations. Like, I know... I know what my year looks like, you know, and I, I've guaranteed these fights and the, the first two, you know, and I'm, I just, I love the format. I like the, the tournament style. I like the pay, how you, you know, you got to earn the better you do, the better you, the better you get paid, you know, and everyone's got a fair shake at the beginning. Everyone starts with zero points. Even these crossover guys from last season, even the champion, you know, that, that there's no real favoritism, you know, it's everyone starting fresh. It's a brand new season. And I, and I love that about it, you know, and I, I just, I can't wait, you know. Yeah, the, the, there's the point system, which which is very interesting and definitely gives you guys the incentive to go for the finish. But you also, you also have to fight a bunch of times in like a five-month period. So that being said, how are you approaching this? I mean, there's got to be a big concern of injuries, but at the same time you want to rack up some points, right? Absolutely. That's the thing. Is for me, I'm just kind of going guns blazing at it, you know, and run into the wheels fall off in a sense of I can't I can't look past this fight and fight preservatively or conservatively waiting for my fight in July you know I gotta make sure I I run through my first fight to be able to make it to my second fight you know so I don't want to look look past anybody and I don't want to fight differently knowing I have you know more fights ahead of me I think the big thing is, is once the fight is done not to blow up not get big and heavy because you have so many weight cuts and to just, you know, shorten up your training camps into more so six week camps because there's only like eight or nine weeks in between fights right. and you're already in shape. So you just stay disciplined after the fight, rehab, recover, stay moving, and then kind of wrap it up again within like six weeks. You know, you don't need to have these long eight week camps when it's the whole year is a fight camp, you know, so it's more of a lifestyle rather than fight camps and just keeping the weight lows is really important. You know, you can't really control what kind of damage you take in a fight. And that's where you don't want to fight safe. You don't want to fight conservatively. You know, you just got to go for it. And, and what happens, what happens, there's there's fluke injuries. There's everything that, there's so much stuff that can happen that uh, you just got to, you got to ride with it. You'll have time after the fight. You know, you'll have a few weeks to recover and um, do it again. You know, the, the two fights in one night is going to be the one that's a little tricky. But yeah, yeah I love the yeah, man, definitely. I think that, um, you know, n- not only being able to live that lifestyle like you're talking about and fight so many times within a short period of time, but then also taking the time off next year, waiting for the next season, that's got to be really beneficial as well. Exactly. It, it turns into more of like a seasonal thing. You know, you have your most few months and then there's fight season, you know, and that's the way it, it it's just got to be if you're, if you're in this organization and that's just your time frame, you know, where right. other organizations you're, you're on and off all year, you know, you have fights, you don't, you have fights, you don't, or this one, you know, you have a busy summer, you know, you got a busy near the end of the year and then you'll have a little break in between waiting for the next season. And, uh, I, I love that, you know, it's nice to have structure 
uh, around the whole, based around your whole year. And uh, I think it's just going to play huge in, in my training and how I approach this whole year. Now, you've mentioned the million-dollar prize a couple times. One of the winners from last season, Sean O'Connell, he said that the PFL was the fastest way for him to make a million dollars in this sport. Do you agree with Sean? Is this the fast track for a huge payday for you as well? Well, I think so, you know, because you're looking at six in six months, I'll be a millionaire. So right. I don't know where else <laughs> I can go to, to make back the money that quick. Now, how life-changing would a million-dollar prize be for you personally? Sorry, say that again? How life-changing would, would that million-dollar prize be for you personally? It would be huge, you know. And obviously, I know it sounds like it, but, you know, I'm, I'm not in this tournament for the money. I'm in it because I honestly feel like, especially this year, this season, they've brought all the, che- all the checks cleared from last year, you know, so they brought everyone wants a piece of it, you know, this year. So it's, it's a murderer's row. And so I think the winner of this tournament, at featherweight especially, will be ranked within the world. You know, you don't have to be in the UFC to be ranked, you know, considered top 15 or, or whatnot, you know, especially with the amount of guys you got to go through in this tournament. And, you know, the belt itself, and, and just staying busy, you know, but the money is, is obviously a huge bonus. And to me, it's it's not like I'm, I'm chasing the million I'm, and I'm going to retire right off in the sunset. You know, I'm going to chase this million win this tournament, I'm a competitive guy, I'm just going to turn that million, turn it around and put it, invest it back into myself to win next year, you know, make, make, become a better fighter and have all the, all the best needs I can fight camp related, you know, and, uh, just invest in myself, you know, and obviously pay off a mortgage or two. And, uh, <laughs> <that's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, Hey, you know, you're young, you're young. Why not? Why not? You know, rather than go after 1 million, make it several, right? So you're uh, you're set to make your promotional debut against uh, Alexandre Bezajeda next Thursday. What can you tell us about your opponent and how you guys match up stylistically? Hey, he's a dangerous guy. You know, it's, I think he's one of the more intimidating featherweights from last season coming back over to this season. You know, just with his little bit more of a finishing style rather than the other few guys. Um, but in that, he leaves a bit of holes. You know, and I think that is where I'll be able to exploit him. You know, I think the in-betweens and the, the wrestling and the transitions and the scrambles is definitely where I'll be I'll be ahead of him. And uh, I just think my youth and my conditioning is always, you know, always a key factor against these fights. And um, But he's a dangerous guy. He, he's dangerous on the feet with his power. But again, he leaves holes. You know, there's not... I think he's more dangerous power than he is technical. And uh, with my length, I think I'll be able to be able to keep him at range and swing him at air. And uh, on the ground, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt. That's his bread and butter. He, you know, that's that's his game. But I've, I've had a lot of success with my wrestling and my top game and, you know, out-grappling the grapplers, you know. So I just think anywhere the fight goes, which I'll be able to dictate, I'll be successful, you know, and he'll have a, a lot of problems. Now, Featherweight has some really good talent, as you mentioned, Murderer's Row. I actually spoke to Lance Palmer earlier today, and he mentioned you as a tough potential opponent and talked about training with you before. Give give us your thoughts on the landscape of competition and who you believe are the toughest matchups. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, Lance, he's the, he's the champ of last year. You know, you gotta, he's got to be a front runner in this season, and I trained with him a lot last year to help him get ready for this season, you know, so I think that helps 
with my approach is just being, you know, like the playoffs and how, how we work together to get them ready for those playoffs and stuff like that. Is I kind of got a behind-the-scenes, you know, on, on a fight, like a PFL season, you know, with that many fights and that many times. And he's my guy. You know, I, I love that guy still. He, you know, he switched camps and he's training closer to home now, which I don't, I don't blame him. Um, but, yeah, it, it, in a perfect world, me and him are on opposite sides of the brackets and we don't, you know, I don't have to see him, you know, just because, like I said, I trained with him. You know, he's a good friend of mine. I consider him, a, you know, a, a close friend. Um, but at the same time, this is for a lot of money, you know, and so if we're, we, we, we fought every Tuesday out here at Extreme Couture, so if we're going to do it, we might as well get paid real good, you know, but, <laughs> um, I definitely rank him at one of the, one of the top guys in the division, you know, and then you got, you can never count Andre Harrison out, you know, he's a tough guy too. I think I got one of the tough guys out of the gate too, Pizarra, you know, I think he's, he's one of the top guys as well. Um, then there's a few sleepers too, like Damon Jackson. He's a tough, tough fight for people, you know. And then Movlit, um, I think the the Russian he's facing is also a tough fight, you know. So there's about I think six that you're, you know, on the good side, and then there's six on the the lower side, you know. I think it's split right down the middle of tough, tough, tough contenders. And then you know everyone's got good records here, but then there's a little bit of difference in caliber of opponents you've been fighting as well. You know, so I think uh, there's the, the veterans and the, the high-level high guys. There's about six, and then there's six that are up-and-comers and, and kind of yet-to-be-tested guys. And I rank myself in the top, you know, obviously. I, I, I'm confident against any matchup leading into this, and that's why I'm so confident in the million. It's just because I, I look at myself stacked up against anybody in the division and on paper, and I feel I find ways to win, and I, I see how I would beat them, you know, and... Uh, that's why if, if I'm a competitive guy, you know, I've geeked out to every fighter in the roster and watched and studied, and now I just can't wait to see who gets who and how the points play out, and I'm just excited for it all. Right, right, right. And, you know, having the history of training with Lance, seeing his success, holding some big wins over big names yourself in the business, that all lends to your confidence as well. But uh, I know you mentioned you'd rather not fight Lance, but the ideal scenario, I'm guessing, would be Throw down with him in the final if you guys have to meet. Yeah, exactly. We, get, you know, we fight for a million dollars, and the runner-up gets a lot of money too. You know that. <laughs> right. That would be the situation. See, we're on opposite sides of the brackets, and uh, we see each other in the finals. Exactly. All right, listen, Jeremy, you've been more than generous with your time, man. We greatly appreciate it. Just a couple more questions here for you. When you visualize this debut playing out, what do you see, and how does your hand get raised? I just see, yeah, me, me in his face right at the beginning of the bell, you know, and really showing the PFL audience. Just, you know, you're on ESPN now. You know, I want I want people to remember my name. And the biggest thing is that I want the rest of the featherweights to be sitting in the locker rooms watching that monitor and being like, damn, you know, I don't want to see that guy in July. You know, so I think I got to come out aggressive and leave nothing, leave no, not, leave no stone unturned like I have done in my training. You know, I, I want to show all my hard work. So I just think aggression and I don't know whether it's going to be on the feet or on the floor, but I, I, I see a finish, you know, I, I want points, you know, but I mean, even if it's a decision, I can't, I'm not going to kick myself because he is one of the higher ranked guys in the, in the bracket, you know, but I'm obviously going for the finish. I want those points. I want to secure my playoff right now. 
you know, six points pretty much guarantees you in a spot in the playoffs. So that's obviously what I'm gunning for. But I definitely see myself winning. You know, I see my hand being raised. I just, uh, there's too many tools. You know, I got way too many ways to win. And uh, I just think one of them is going to come through. And in conclusion, tell all the fans out there why they need to tune in on May 23rd and why you're the guy who's going to win this season, take home a title, and a fat check. Yeah, you got to tune in because, you know, you got 12 of the baddest guys in one weight class from around the world fighting, you know, and I'm going to be the guy to win because when they see my style and my, my strength and my explosion with, with my height and my frame, I just think I'm going to be too much for these guys, and I got to I gotta show that, that on Bezerra and set a, you know, set a statement for the rest of the division. All right, man. Any shout-out, sponsor plugs before we let you go? The floor is yours, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. I just really want to, you know, give a shout out to my sponsors, you know, 7-Eleven and Oxygen oh, Yoga in uh, Langley, BC, and Bender Painting in Langley, I mean, uh, Surrey, British Columbia, and yeah, the Greens and Protein been fueling me out here, and Hangry Health Bar has been fueling me back home in, in Vancouver, Canada, so uh, yeah, I just appreciate those, those are my main sponsors, and that's, yeah, I'm ready to go. Dude, you're sponsored by 7-Eleven? Yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's going to be cool. <laughs> tremendous, tremendous. I, you got to be the first fighter who's ever landed that sponsorship, no? I know. I'm excited to have that posted up there on my shorts. Wow, tremendous, man. Congratulations on that. Thank you. All right, listen, again, greatly appreciate the time, Jeremy. Looking forward to your debut in this opening round and all of your success for the remainder of the season. Hopefully we can catch up again soon, and best of luck on the 23rd, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, have a good night. You too. Later. Jeremy is yet another talented guy added to the roster of the PFL. As you've heard me discuss, I think this could be the future for mixed martial arts. And as you heard Lance mention earlier, the roster hasn't particularly grown just yet because of availability and when guys become free agents. So there's a lot of moving parts there, but I would imagine that as the years progress, you're going to see bigger and bigger names and more and more talent migrate over to the PFL. So obviously best of luck to Jeremy. Would be pretty cool to see Jeremy and Lance throw down somewhere close to the final, if not the final. We'll see how the bracket plays out. But let's keep it moving. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, set to face Greg Hardy, July 20th in San Antonio, Texas. UFC heavyweight super prospect, the Kraken, Juan Adams. All right, Penn Nation, the Kraken is back. Returning to the show yet again, please welcome our friend and UFC heavyweight, Juan Adams. What's up, Juan? What's cracking in the life of the Kraken today? Uh, nothing much, dude. Just moved into my new apartment, uh, chilling, making sure the weight stays pretty low, and just going from there, trying to wait for the next fight. Really, uh, moving into a new place, that's always exciting. Yeah, yeah, it uh, should be good. It's a little bit closer to all my gym, so I can train more. I don't have to wake up quite as early or drive quite as much, so... Uh, more nap time between between workouts. <laughs> That's always good, man. Now, listen, we're just a couple of weeks removed from your last fight, which which I wanted to get to in a moment. But I was looking over your Twitter, and I saw that you pretty much predicted the end of Game of Thrones. Bravo, sir. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, well, the last couple seasons were pretty predictable. You know, that's kind of what happens when you go from a creative genius like George R. R. Martin to, you know, Hollywood writers that are just given a skeleton. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Were you disappointed like everyone else was? Not really, man. You know, I liked the show. I liked it a lot. The season as a whole kind of disappointed me, but I was very happy with the ending. Right. For, for me, man, honestly, you know, you could tell the writing was, was kind of lacking even in the last season, so it shouldn't come as a surprise, but I, I was hoping for that trademark George R.R. R. Martin soul-crushing twist at the end, but again, like you mentioned, I mean, those books aren't written, so, you know, how much involvement does he really have? Exactly, but very glad Daenerys died. <laughs> right. <laughs> if the Kraken was in Game of Thrones, what house would he ride with? Uh, that's a tough one, man, because, you know, uh, you have the Greyjoys, which are, you know, their sigil is a Kraken. Right. That so, stuff, but I'd definitely be, I'd probably be in House Stark or a Wildling. <laughs> yeah, Wildling would be the way to go, right? Just party it up and kill shit on the, in your free time? Exactly, man. That's the, that's the way to do it. <laughs> so, while, while some people found the end of Game of Thrones disappointing, I'm sure you were disappointed with how your last fight went. The decision went to Arjan in Ottawa. What went wrong in your opinion, man? You know, our game plan was to keep it on the feet, right? Um, and normally when I fight, I, I do a lot of pressure. Uh, I don't you know, my game plan is never to take someone down, but if one presents itself, I go for it. There are a couple times in the clinch where normally I would have gone for a takedown, but, you know, the plan was to keep it on the feet. Uh, my striking wasn't as efficient as it normally is. I couldn't really get on the end of any of my punches, so kudos to him. But ultimately, you know, a lot of people thought I won that fight. I thought I had done enough to win it, but. After I gave up the second takedown, I kind of knew it was over. Um, you know, so, you know, I stopped one takedown, I probably get a split decision. Uh, it's a learning experience, and it's not like I lost to a scrub. The guy's pretty good. Right. What? What was there any? Was there any outside circumstances that affected your performance at all, like a lingering injury or anything like that? Uh, there wasn't really a lingering injury, but you know, the commission up there really. They were really messing with me a lot. You know, the, the day before the fight, they, like, told me my beard was too long, so I had to go. go. Um, luckily, one of the places we were going, so uh, we were pretty cool with, and he owned a salon, so he let me get my beard trimmed up there, but they made me trim my beard. Then when we're backstage right before the fight, uh, they came back and said my nails were too long, but the day before, they were fine. Uh, they gave me, like, a fingernail clipper. Instead of a toenail clipper, and it was, you know, it just wasn't cutting my nails. <laughs> and they were like, just like, well, just keep chipping away with it. And I'm, and I'm like, dude, can I at least, like, just pay someone to go get one? And he's like, no, just chip away. So eventually, um, for my big toe, I ended up having to get um, the scissors you use to cut tape. Oh, Jesus. That, yeah, and it split my toenail down the middle and started bleeding, so... You know, that was like an hour before the fight. <laughs> it was just, it was just ridiculous. I ended up ripping half the toenail off uh, at the at the base of the toenail. So, well, it's, it it sounds to me like you wouldn't be very excited at the idea of fighting in Ottawa again anytime soon. 
Yeah, probably not. No, um, you know it was crazy though. Like it, it's a beautiful city. The people there were great. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the fans there were amazing. You know, they booed me walking out. Apparently, I didn't hear that. But afterwards, you know, everyone wanted pictures and stuff, and got a few followers out of it. So it was, it was a fun experience. And now, you know, there's no pressure to remain undefeated. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that that was something I was going to ask you. You know, you went into this fight with plenty of confidence, as you always do, but having been handed your first loss, does it feel like liberating it all to not have to have that pressure of remaining remaining undefeated going forward? Yeah, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, fighting is a, it's fun for me. You know, it's how I make my living, but it's not, like, my end-all, be-all. You know, I, obviously, it's a challenge for me. I enjoy that aspect of it. You know, I made it to the UFC faster than most people ever do um, fighting at a level that most people will never be able to do you know right. I, I haven't even been doing this three years and I'm fighting at the highest level whereas I know guys that have been doing this 10 12 years that won't ever get a crack at it right right now did uh did Arjan do anything in there that surprised you at all no, not really. I mean, his aim was pretty good. He caught me, like, right on the eyeball a couple of times. I actually scratched my cornea in the fight. Um, that that sucked. But, you know, it's part of the fight game. Uh, he didn't hit very hard, so I stopped trying to move my head. I was like, all right, well, that didn't hurt, so I might as well just walk forward. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was really efficient on his takedowns. He, he got in right at the right time. Um, most of the takedown work and prevention that I do is, is in the clinch. Uh, I try and stop things um, while we're tied up. Uh, so to prevent him from getting in good position, prevent my opponents from lowering their level, being able to get underneath me. Um, but he shot out from space, which most people don't do on me. So that was that was pretty good on his part. So you think you think other than the couple of takedowns, the the judges should have scored that for you for you, and even then, you think they possibly could have could have uh, given it to you already? You know, given the yeah, I you out. know I thought I won rounds one and two, um, but again, it's you go into someone else's home country, you know what you have to do. Yeah. And I didn't do what I needed to do, so that, that's how I view it. At the end of the day, you know, I didn't execute what I needed to execute. And even though a lot of people feel I won or I and I feel I won, that that loss isn't going away. It's always going to be on my record. There's no point complaining or whining about it. Of course, of course. And the famous quote in this game is that you either win or you learn. Was there a learning learning experience for you or anything to take away with this one? Uh, Yeah, you know, it's just that I, I have to be mentally there when I fight. You know, I walk out there and I was – flat I was I was kind of wasn't really in it and uh you know even in my debut I wasn't really in it uh last time I really felt like I actually wanted to fight somebody was uh probably contender series um hopefully you know my next opponent someone that I, I have no respect for or don't like at all and then I can get uh <laughs> I can get up a little more for it you you, you feel like you kind of have to have that uh I don't know, like that Diaz mentality, like like you need an opponent to talk some trash and make you dislike them to really want to go out there and perform to the best of your ability? Uh, you know, eventually I won't. Right now I feel like I kind of need that. Uh, you got to understand I've had, that was my 10th fight total. Right, right. Uh, so I'm still learning. I've got a long way to go. And, 
you know, we're still figuring out what does and doesn't work and warm-ups and things like that for me. Uh, for me, you know, my ability and, and athletic uh, athletic ability and, you know, overall fight IQ have, and physical talents have, have been enough so far to just kind of – it didn't matter. I, I could go out there and play around. But this is a different league, and uh, so we've got to fine-tune, fine-tune, fine-tune everything, every fight. We have to come in and, and take something away from it, win or lose. Yeah, th- there's always work to be done, and you guys are constantly evolving as martial artists. That never really changes, really, but uh, do you still feel like your athleticism, your fight IQ, those are things that are hardly rivaled in the division? Um, athleticism, for sure, is hardly rivaled. Uh, fight IQ, clearly not. Um, but <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get there, you know. Um, so you just got to keep going out there and learning. But I don't think there's anyone that, you know, can deliver an interview quite the way I can. Uh, no one has the fashion sense that I do. And I've got the best hair in the division, hands down. <laughs> Those are all hard to argue, my friend. I certainly enjoy interviewing you quite a bit. So in regards to what's next, it seems like you finally got the matchup you've been, you've been asking for. And the hashtag campaign on Twitter, that worked out. You'll be fighting Greg Hardy on July 20th in San Antonio. I can only imagine how excited you are about this fight actually getting booked. Yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, it really is. Uh, I, I wouldn't say a dream come true, but it's, uh, you know, it feels really good when you ask for something over and over and, you know, you finally get that gratification. And now um, the only part left is to go in there and beat his ass. Now, how did it all transpire? Did your team harass the matchmakers enough, or do you think Greg saw everything you were saying online and felt obligated to fight you? Um, I don't think he felt obligated to, to fight me. I, I think he finally. I think he had he had known, and his team had kind of seen what had happened long enough. You know, people have been harassing the matchmakers forever. They don't really let that affect them. But he he asked for this fight. You know, and you know. We've been my 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 team, my fans, been harassing his management, harassing him on social media, and uh, you know I, I do my part. I just I leave it, you know. I take my jabs, and they run with it. And uh, I guess it finally got to him, and he asked for the fight. And um, now you know he can't complain because when he gets this ass whooping, it's something he asked for. Are you surprised he asked for the matchup? I really am surprised. Uh, you know, I'm I'm his first opponent that's had a win in the octagon before facing him. So <laughs> I think that's a that's a pretty big deal. Um, big step up, huge step up in competition for him. I know I know it's crazy to say that someone one and one in the UFC is a big step up for him, but um, his the records of his opponents at the time he's fought him have been zero and one in the UFC and zero and two in the UFC. So it's uh. It's a huge step for him. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm glad to see that he's finally deciding to be a real fighter and, um, you know, put up somebody that's going to put up a harder fight than his (laughs) ex-girlfriend. So you feel like you kind of backed him into a corner with all the stuff you were saying online and, you know, basically called out his manhood. He has to fight you if he wants to defend his his honor and, you know, well, what honor he has in, in, in combat sports. Something like that, and you know, I really feel like he has the—he's he, a child, man. Uh, he's got the the mental maturity and the, and the makeup of a, of a toddler, and I feel that you know I pushed his buttons enough, and, and he retaliated. We knew this was going to happen. Uh, you know, every man 
has a point to get to. Um, you can only push people so far, but it really didn't really didn't take much for me. Uh, just you know, saying the same stuff over and over. Finally got to him. Um, here we are, six months later, and uh, it's come to be. Now, is there much you can take away from his last fight? You know, some people thought the fix was in that night. What did you think? I, I don't know if the fix. He, I I did think that initially, but you also have to look at the, his opponent. That guy was 0-2 in the UFC, so something about fighting on that stage gets to that guy. Um, I don't know if, you know, it's jitters or whatever, but he seems to thrive outside of the UFC. And as soon as he gets, and as soon as he, uh, he gets the call up, he fails every time. So it, it could be a fix. It could be something mental with that guy, but that guy didn't put up any fight towards him. Uh, the only opponent that has offered any real... Um, real type of, uh, I guess, resistance uh, and, you know, put up any fight, didn't back down against him. He, he got frustrated and didn't illegal strike. Now, maybe that's a lapse in judgment. Maybe it was intentional. We won't ever know. But the fact of the matter is that guy didn't back down from him. That guy went straight at him, and that's what we're going to do. We're not scared of this, man. I'm not scared of this, man. Nothing he does scares me. Nothing about his past scares me. Uh, I believe I'm stronger than he is. I believe I'm bigger than he is, and I'm I'm a better athlete than he is. So I mean, you're, you you feel like you go into obviously. I know you don't respect his skill set and you know his record so far in mixed martial arts, but you feel like you got to go in there and show the guy no respect at all from the opening bell. Yeah, man, I'm I'm gonna bully this man. I'm gonna make him look like a bitch in front of everyone. Uh, that that's the game plan. From bell to bell, I'm going to beat his ass. I'm going to show no mercy. And um, I'm going to make him reconsider fighting at this level. I mean, he's trash. And just Not even just as a fighter, just as a human. He sucks at life. His haircut is stupid and his eyebrows. <laughs> so, I hate him. <laughs> now, you've already built up a ton of material here, but I can only imagine you're going to have a lot of fun promoting this one, aren't you? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I'm going to have fun. My team's going to have fun. My fans are going to have fun with it. And um, hopefully, you know, pretty much from what I'm seeing, the only people that really support this man are casuals anyway. And uh, I'm not super concerned about the hate that I'll get. Um, he might have a bigger fan base than me, but my fans are just better quality people than his are. So I'm not super worried about it. <laughs> How do you expect that first face-to-face -face interaction with him to go? What, what, what I mean, like I said, he is a child. Uh, whatever he does, I'm going to maintain my composure. You know, I don't really do a whole lot of head games. Yeah, I'll reach out. I'll shake his hand. I'll look at him. I'll smile. I'll do whatever. But, you know, I'm not one that's going to spit on someone. I'm not going to shove them. If he attacks me, I'm not going to retaliate. You know, that's just who I am. You know, whatever he does. I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize us getting to this fight. Okay, because I've wanted to beat this man's ass for a while, so... You know, he can try and do whatever it takes, but I'm maintaining my composure, and, you know, I'm walking into that cage July 20th, and I'm walking out with a victory. Yeah, you know, I kind of never understood that. I mean, I know, like, promotion, you shove a guy, you, you knock his hat off his head, whatever, but you're prize fighters. I mean, you're going to go in there and get paid to whoop each other's ass anyway. Save it for the night of the fight, right? Exactly. Uh <laughs> And that, that, that's really how I feel about it. Um, you know, there, there's always stuff. And, you know, when you get personal, when you cross lines, like, yeah, I've, I've crossed personal lines with this man. And um, 
So I could understand if you were upset, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize making it to fight night. Right, right. And what would you say to him off camera, behind the scenes? Uh, you know, I would I would ask him uh, why he doesn't tip strippers very well. And, you know, I would ask him about his wardrobe choices and, you know, the, <laughs> his hairstyles. Uh, you know, I have a lot of questions for him, just like as a man, you know, what makes you wake up every morning, look in the mirror and think, you know, this is this is the look for me. This is my my way to present myself to the world. You know, I like to get inside the thought process of Greg Hardy. I don't think it's very complex, and I don't think there's much behind it. But <laughs> I just want to know. Like, I'm, I'm I'm just curious at this. So you're 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 fascinated from a psychological standpoint. Yeah, you know, I and you know, I just have a question like, how can someone be that stupid? You know. <laughs> You know, I, I haven't hidden my my dislike for this man. Um, I I don't think it, anything. If he was fighting better people, or you know, he had maybe a different path to the top, then I probably wouldn't have as much of an issue with him. But you have to understand, like at every point in my career, we started fighting around the same time, and I've constantly I've been compared to this man for the last what year and a half, two years, and it gets old. I don't like it. Um, especially when we're vastly different athletes, vastly different people. And um, so just on a personal level, I don't like that. So at the end of the day, I mean, it's pretty clear that this fight is personal for you. Yeah, it's very personal. And, um, you know, uh, also, you know, we both are are pretty inexperienced when it comes to MMA in general. Um, We don't have a whole lot of fights. Uh, So it's going to be a learning experience, but... I've I want this fight. Uh, you know, I haven't been really personally motivated for a fight since probably contender series and then again, um like my first amateur title fight were the only two times I've really been emotionally invested in a fight. Um, maybe my third pro fight, but uh so it is different. You know, camp is different. There's a different feel to camp. We're doing all the same stuff, focusing a little bit more on cardio, but there's a little bit extra in every session. Right, well, having an opponent that you genuinely dislike, that that lights a fire under you, right? Exactly, exactly. Now, this also worked out for you being that the fight is booked for San Antonio. I'm sure you're very excited to compete in Texas, and I'd imagine you're going to have a lot of support from the crowd as well. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's really weird. Whenever I walk out there, I don't hear the crowd a whole lot i've never heard the crowd a whole lot i I only hear the positive stuff um you know i i kind of get into my own little zone i kind of space out when i'm in there and you know i'm really trying to get in my most competitive mindset going for the fight so i'm really tuned in to my coach's voices and you know just positive affirmations that's uh that's all i really think about going in there and that's kind of all my brain filters and lets me in that's it. Right, but I mean, at the end of the day, you'll have probably have a good amount of friends and family showing up for this one, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We'll have a. Well, I'll definitely have a, a big crowd there. Um, but I, I mean, I'm sure he will too. You know, he played for the Cowboys. And it's about the same. It's not that far of a drive for them. So uh, I'm excited to fight. You know, a lot of people that have never been able to travel to my fights are going to be able to make it to this one. So that's a uh, that's really big for me, you know. I I'm very 
big on fan uh, fan interaction. Um, I like to respond to people. I like to interact with people, and um, you know, because it, it's a positive interaction for both of us. And that's uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to. You know, traveling isn't going to be as expensive this time around. You know, we've got people that that live in San Antonio that where we can stay and things like that. So uh, everyone's really excited. All my friends. Uh, fans and family and friends are super excited. Their friends are super excited. So there's a lot of really good energy going into this camp. So all in all, I mean, when you look at how everything's transpired, all the trash talk you've put out there to, to lead you to this fight, where it ended up getting booked, it sounds like kind of fate kind of worked itself out. That It couldn't have ended up better than this, right? Right, yeah, it couldn't end it up end it any better than this. And, uh, there's only one thing left to do, and I just have to go in there and execute. So that's what I'm going for. Now, for all the fans out there that helped you make some noise with that hashtag, and for everybody that's eager to see you see you go in there and uh, and put in some work against this guy, what can they expect on July 20th, and how do you visualize the fight playing out? Honestly, uh, you guys are going to see the best version of me today. You know, I've, I started this camp 12 pounds lighter than what I usually am. I'm you know, I'm ready to go out there and, and be in better better cardiovascular shape for sure, have better endurance, and you guys can really expect fireworks. You know, there's, there's bad blood in this fight. We know what he's going in there. He's going in there to take my head off. I'm going in there to embarrass this man. I, I really want to hurt him. So that, that's, that's what you can expect. You, you know, lots of bad blood. Every shot's going to have bad intentions behind it, and uh, this, this isn't going to the belt. And, uh, you know, now that the fight's finally booked, the contracts are signed, what message would you have for Greg Hardy? Uh, I don't have shit to say to Greg Hardy, you know. I'm, I'm worried about what I'm going to do, not him. All right, man. Listen, always a pleasure, Juan. I'm very excited for this fight and all that the future has in store for you. I know we'll catch up again closer to fight night, but until then, man, have a great camp. Any shout-out, sponsor plugs, the floor is yours before we let you go. Awesome. Thank you. Um. I'd love to shout out, you know, Rhino Pro Truck Bedliner. They've been with me since I signed with the UFC. Um, you know, Jet Hot, they were there to get me to the UFC. Those sponsors were huge, very instrumental in my in my growth and my progression as a martial artist. Also, um, Houston Hemp Lab, HCX, uh, they're, you know, they just jumped on board. Houston's first uh, CBD product lab and dispensary. So congrats to those guys. Thank you for everything that you've done. FlemingAttorneys.com, uh, Houston's premier personal injury attorney, Texas' premier personal injury attorney. These guys are the best around. Uh, couldn't do this without you. And, uh, you know, of course, my coaches, man. Uh, I wouldn't be here without those guys. And the fans, you know, without the fans, there is no sport, and I don't have this platform. So without you guys, I don't get this fight. <laughs> and without you guys, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. So thank you to all of you. Awesome, man. Again, July 20th, it's going to be a big night for you. I'm very happy that you got this matchup that, that you've been shouting for for all this time. Can't wait till fight night, man. And again, we'll catch up before then. Greatly appreciate it. As always, my friend, you have a wonderful evening. Thanks, man. You too. Have a good one. All right, buddy. Later. Right. I'll tell you guys, not only is the matchup between Greg and Juan a lot of fun just from the stylistic standpoint and what they both bring to the table, of course, a lot of power and athleticism from both these guys. But I'm really looking forward to the promotion for this fight. Juan is a very intelligent guy. He's incredibly funny and likable. 
that's only going to lend itself to the promotion for this fight and what should be a very entertaining lead-up. So mark your calendars, July 20th, San Antonio, Texas, Juan Adams versus Greg Hardy. But let's keep it rolling. Our final guest for this episode, BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, UFC featherweight prospect, the Wolfman, Bobby Moffitt. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show, UFC featherweight prospect and MMA lab staple, the man they call the Wolfman, Bobby Moffitt. What's up, Bobby? How you doing today, brother? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, Jason. How's it going? I cannot complain. I cannot complain. Listen, before we jump into things, I wanted to ask you where you watch your anime because I was unable to find Yu Yu Hakusho on Netflix. Oh, yeah, they don't got Yu Yu Hakusho on Netflix. Uh, so, Yu Yu Hakusho used to be a show that um, I w- they used to have it on Toonami, you know, uh, when you get home from, from school uh, back in the early 2000s, and then they put it on Adult Swim when I was a, when I was a little bit older, and uh, that's how I watched it. Then I got... Um, it was a it was a animefreak.tv is what I used to watch all my anime on. Okay. And uh, I finished the whole se- the whole series on there. But um, that's a really good that's a really good show. You got to ch- check it out. So I think that would be probably on animefreak. Uh, anime you know, animefreak.tv not dot com. All right. Cool. And uh, yeah, I think it should be on there. All right, I, I've I've used a couple of those websites. I know that some of them are a bit of a pain in the ass with the pop-ups, but if you can navigate around them, you'll be able to watch what you're after. So that's cool. Very good. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah. So how are things down at the MMA lab, man? I'd imagine you're pretty eager to get back in there after uh, UFC Nashville. Yeah, I've been I've been eager to get back in there since the, the night of the fight, pretty much. You know, I've uh, I felt like I kind of just. You know, I just was flat in my last fight, and uh, you know everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, and and the fight still ended up being, you know, fight of the night. And I felt like I could have done a lot better. So uh, I'm just looking forward to the next one. I really want to fight again too. And hopefully something pops up. I'm willing to fight anybody. You know. Well, at the end of the day, I know obviously the loss is a loss, but you did get a bonus. That's got to be. That's got to feel pretty good, right? Uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, a lot different than what I'm used to, you know, like that kind of money just coming into my bank account. I was like, when it, when it popped up, I was like, oh, I've never seen this much money in my life before. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so it was, uh, that was really cool. I mean, uh, ever since I've, I've, I've gotten on that, uh, contender series, my, the, I've never seen money like this before in my life, so a lot of uh, a lot of good things come from it, obviously. But um, I really, really want to get my win win back. So uh, somebody coming up soon, I gotta fight somebody. Right. Well, regardless of the setback, I mean, obviously, seeing the financial gains you're making, you know, you're in the right business and making the right moves. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it up. You know, I've got to make. Uh, Invest in the right things and save it. Don't try and spend it all. Right. Luckily, I don't have any real. I don't really have any bad habits. You know, I just 
I don't get, I don't have a whole bunch of tattoos. I'm, that's what <laughs> I'm afraid of getting. I'm afraid of getting my next tattoo because then once I get it, I'm sure I've got enough money to do everything I've ever wanted with any tattoos. So, right. so I don't want to waste it all on that, you know. So, <laughs> see. Well, rather than getting all linked up, I I, th- I think the the wise choice is like you said to save it until you're top of the league, top of the division, making the big bucks. But unfortunately, like you said, the fight with Bryce Mitchell didn't go your way. All three judges scored it for Bryce. Looking back on it, man, give us your thoughts on your performance and what went wrong in there. I mean, what went wrong was, you know, I left it up to somebody else deciding who won the fight, you know. That's the, that's the real issue. That's kind of like where I messed up at the end, you know. Uh, I, I felt like uh, I went out there, I was, I got real overconfident. We, like, exchanged a few times. And in my head, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to destroy this guy. Like, he's not strong. He's not, like, that quick. And I kind of just, like, relaxed a little bit. And I took my guard down. And then he, like, he threw that one punch down the middle. And it kind of shocked my body, you know. So I was like, what the heck? And uh, and then the rest of the round, I mean, I, 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 it didn't, like, stop me or anything. You know, I, I went right back to wrestling. I got up. Um. And then we, we had that submission attempt that he had on me, and then I got out of that. And then the rest of the round, I felt like I I took control of. And then the second round was, you know, definitely more dominating on my side. You know, I uh, definitely won that round. I mean, he had some, some good stuff in that round, too, but I felt like I really just kind of pushed the pace and dominated him. Second round, and third round, I was, I was beating him up pretty good, and uh, like I said, leaving it up to to uh, somebody else, somebody else's opinion is never is never the best bet, you know. Right. So I uh, I kind of I went for a submission when I really shouldn't have. I was on top of him, and I was kind of like listening to the ref instead of listening to my coaches. You know, I listened to the ref. The ref's like, "You got to do something. You got to do something." So I'm like, "All right, I'll just." I'll put a submission on Bryce and just kind of like hold the position, try and finish this and, 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 and either finish him or, or finish the round on top. And I kind of just got lazy and Bryce reversed the position and like what a minute, a minute on my back. He, he really didn't do anything. He just kind of held me and tried to choke me. I got up, I punched him a few times. And then they gave him the fight. You know, I kind of felt like uh, I feel like if you watch, if you watch, if you ever watch the fight again, it's, I I won, uh, you know, about thirteen, twelve, thirteen minutes of the fight. You just lose some positions, and and the judges see it the other way. You know, so that's my fault. Uh, you shouldn't get too overconfident in a fight. You know, that's kind of that. That was my issue in the in the first round. And then the second round was just uh, not believing in my ability to take him down. I usually have a bend in that position. I, like, don't want to let the guy back up. But I was pretty much taking him down at will. So had I have just let the referee stand us up and then I went to punch him again, take him down immediately, um, I mean, I would have won the fight for sure. So it is what it is. I, 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 uh, I fight to finish the fight, you know. I don't want to be... 
I don't want to be somebody that uh, people are like, oh, man, this guy's just going to lay on him, you know? I want to finish fights. I want to be exciting. So so I'm happy that uh, we were exciting, Bryce and I. We got fight of the night and stuff. But next time I fight, I'm just going to have to move the dude. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, aside from leaving your fate in the hands of a few people who have never fought in their lives, which is, uh, yeah, you know, you know, quite a, quite a frustrating situation to begin with. It sounds to me like you feel a couple of minor, minor adjustments and that fight goes your way, you know, not 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was honestly my mistakes. It was a lot of, a lot of the fight was my mistakes. Um, waiting too long standing and just like got overconfident and you know things that things that I know I can improve on and now I'm not going to make those mistakes you know so so I'm going to be more dangerous than I ever was right losses of course you know just a part of the game and you have to take them in stride as a learning experience it sounds to me like you it's for you it's uh the overconfidence thing that that's the big takeaway from this fight yeah, for sure. I think uh, if I hadn't felt that way in the first round, the the fight would have been completely different. I think I would have ended up finishing it, but because of because of uh, uh, that feeling of overconfidence and then him taking advantage of it, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He hit me, and I dropped a little bit. It kind of threw me off my rhythm, you know, my 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 stand up rhythm that I had been gaining. Uh, in the gym that I was going to bring into the fight, I kind of just just lost that rhythm that I had, and uh, kind of just didn't do what I was supposed to. You know, I kind of have it, it sucks, but I'd rather learn from it like that than um, than get to the the biggest fight of my life ever, like a championship fight, and then learn this mistake. You know, right? So right, the goals are still the same. It's a little bit longer journey, you know. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, plenty of bumps in the road on on the uh, on the path to greatness. So you're back in the gym. You're making yep. adjustments, improving on the daily. What's next for you, man? When would you like to get back in there? Man, I was really trying to fight in Chicago because you know I'm from Chicago, so I still would fight in Chicago three weeks away or whatever. So hopefully, I mean, actually, I don't want to say hopefully, but if somebody gets injured, you know, I'm here, you know, but I, I'm not going to say hopefully somebody gets injured. That would be kind of rude. Um, right. <laughs> but, you know, something, I would, if, if that's not going to happen, I would like something that in July or, or, or at the end of August or something or September. I mean, I just want to fight. I want to be able to fight two more times this year. I know it doesn't happen much. Uh, with a lot of the roster and stuff, but I would really like to to get something short notice and then get something set up um, by the end of the year, you know. So, so uh, I'm looking for something in the summer, hopefully. Now it sounds to me like you and your team, you guys are putting your name out there for a last minute replacement if something falls through. Yeah, for sure. Very good. Very I'm good. always down to fight, and I, I train like there was something in Crouch. Coach Crouch was talking to me about, you know, I, I'm in the gym, you know, every day, multiple times a day. I train, uh, and this is when I'm not even at fight camp, so I train a lot 
when I don't have a fight coming up, and then I put even more wear and tear on my body when I do have a fight coming up. So Crouch was kind of telling me, you know, it might be a good idea to fight something short notice because then I wouldn't have to beat myself up so much getting into the fight. You know, the longer I have to get ready for a fight, the more wear and tear I put on my body, you know. And then uh, he, he was thinking that it might be a good idea to fight something short notice. It would be better for me. So hopefully, I'm hoping something yeah. comes up. I mean, I'm always down. even if you don't get the short notice fight, do you think maybe going forward it'd be a good idea to maybe not have such a long camp or, or dial it back a bit just so you're not going into these fights as banged up like you're talking about? Yeah, I think it'll be better to, to dial it back just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it, that's, that's, it's easier said than done, honestly, because sometimes I, when I don't do enough in the gym, I feel like I, I am not doing anything, you know? I might have I might have trained three times that day, but I'm like, oh man, I could have done this too, you know. And then I feel bad, and then I have to do more the next day, you know. So it's 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 a mental thing for me to not train as much in the gym, right? Because I I I always try and train as much as I can because I always think, man, someone's trying to beat you right now, you know. Someone's trying to work harder than you, so I've got to go out there and, and work as hard as I can. So now uh, it's a mental thing for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, aside from jumping into uh, to a last-minute replacement fight, do you have any opponents in mind, anyone without a dance partner that you think makes the most sense at this point? Um, see, that's, I don't know. I don't really look at the roster, you know. Um, I am always down to fight anybody. I don't have uh, any names. I think the last time we talked was when I called out Bryce, and that worked out, so I wish I had a name. <laughs> point you know you know you just keep asking for a fight they draw the name you go out there get it done and and the rest takes care of itself but looking to bounce back from a loss it sounds to me like you're going to kind of come into the next fight with a chip on your shoulder and really look for that finish yeah i'm uh i'm not leaving it to a judge's decision again you know i don't uh yeah, I think uh, I think uh, I was. I've talked to some other people about that too. I've had some interviews with people where where I've seen a lot of my friends. They they have real close fights, and I think they win and they lose a de- uh, decision. You know, and uh, sometimes I'm, I, I I just hate that part of the sport. You know, so I'd rather just fight to the death. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, like. I'd rather fight till somebody gets finished. Like, keep, just keep going. Just keep going. It doesn't matter how many rounds it takes. Just keep going until somebody gets finished. I think that would be uh, more exciting. I don't think the fights would go that far because then you know, you know, you've got, you could potentially fight this dude for a whole hour, you know. 
Right, right, right. Well, I mean, you look at it as a situation like uh, Hoist Gracie Sakuraba. You'd either fight till somebody gets finished or a team throws in the towel because their guy can't go any further, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't want, I'm definitely not going to leave it into, uh, into the judge's decision again. I hear you, man. It's tough because, you know, it'd be different if it was like, former fighters and athletes that that were judging the fights. But unfortunately, like I said earlier, you have people who are not particularly educated in the sport that are deciding your fate and, uh, you know, the future of your career. So that that is very frustrating. But uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, some of the big moves going on in the division right now. Edgar uh, versus Holloway, that matchup. I know you're a big fan of Frankie. Uh, Do you think he'll be able to dethrone Max? Uh, he's definitely got, I mean, he's got the cardio to keep up with Max, for sure. Um, and he's a little bit shorter, so I think that's like a different, uh, that's a, I've always felt like it's been a little bit harder to, to negate wrestling against people who are much shorter than me. And I think Frankie's going to be quite shorter than Max, and I think that, that might be to his advantage, honestly. The reach advantage is obviously going to be with Max, but. Still, I mean, Frankie's so good on the inside, in and out, uh, head movement. It's uh, it's a tough decision, but I would definitely go with Max. Right, I I see what you're saying. The size, uh, you know, Max having fought uh, his last fight against a a guy more his size, um, his last two fights, actually, and now you kind of change that dynamic with a guy with great cardio and wrestling like Frankie. Definitely makes for an interesting fight, but... Uh, you know, Max is the favorite for a reason. Do you think it was right of the UFC to snub Alex Volkanovsky, you know, following his win over Aldo and give the fight to Frankie? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think that was really right, the right decision. I mean, I don't know what they were, uh, I don't know why they chose that, but maybe, I mean, maybe Max was the one who said, you know, I want to fight Frankie before I fight, uh, Volkanovsky. Who knows? Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Volkanovski definitely deserves deserves the title shot a little bit more than Frankie. Obviously, Frankie's been a, been a champion before, has fought for a title before, but but he's only coming off one win. He lost his, his uh, he lost to, uh, what's his face, Brian Ortega yeah. before that. And, uh, I mean, that was not a good loss, so... I know that fight was going to be against Max Holloway and Brian Ortega took a short notice, but um, still, I mean, I think Volkanovski deserved it. Yeah, yeah, not a good look for Frankie. First time getting knocked out, that's for sure. But either way, Volkanovski's got to be right. I've got to be next, right? I mean, I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah, no, Volkanovski should be next for whoever has the title, you know? So it doesn't matter if Frankie wins. Or Max wins. The next person that person fights should be Volkanovski. For, for sure. sure, for sure. I agree with you 100. percent All right, man. Well, listen. It's been a pleasure as always speaking with you, man. I know we'll catch up again when something gets announced. Uh, but until then, tell all the fans out there what they can expect when you do eventually return, and why you're still the up and coming featherweight prospect that they all should keep their eye on. Well, I mean, my last performance was my worst performance and I got fight of the night. So <laughs> my, next, my next fight, my next fight is going to be much better than that. So 
uh, I'm going to be finishing people. I'm going to be exciting, and hopefully I'm be coming to uh, to an arena near you during the summer sometime. Awesome, man. Uh, and before we let you go, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs? Uh, just shout-out to uh, my chiropractor, Scott Mitchell, chiropractic. They've been cracking me up for a while now and feeling pretty good. Awesome, man. Listen, thanks again for the time today, Bobby. I very much look forward to your return, and I have no doubt you'll be back in the win column in no time. Until we catch up again, you have a great day, my friend. Thank you, you too. Thanks for having me, Jason. Always a pleasure, man, and I'll definitely be checking out UU Hakka Show. We'll have a bit more to chat about in the anime world uh, next time we talk. That's a, that's a good show, for sure. You're going to enjoy it. All right. Thank you, brother. All right. Yep. Later. While there's a lot of uncertainty as to who Bobby will face in his next appearance in the UFC's famed Octagon, I have no doubt it'll be a great matchup. And as you heard Bobby mention, he'll be looking for a finish the next time he steps into competition. But that's it for us, folks. Another episode in the books. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Pleasure to be here with you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please subscribe share and like this podcast we're found on stitcher itunes anywhere that you guys download your podcasts we'll be there make sure you guys bookmark the website bjpen.com forward slash mma news stay up to date on all things mixed martial arts make sure you guys follow us on social media twitter facebook etc everything you crave from the sports you love bjpen.com we have got you covered on behalf of the whole team mahalo to our guests Mahalo to you guys for tuning in. Until next time, my friends, we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace out, everybody.